Are you a good witch or a bad Hello and welcome to Witch Bitches Review. I'm no bag of tricks. I'm a bag of knives. Phoenix Arcana Lightwood. I think you're a bag of dicks. <laughs> I mean that too. Yeah. And I'm a psychic fallen rich bitch destined to give birth to the zombie octopus goddess. I'm Siren Rex Fry. And today we have a really special guest with us. Ian Carlos Crawford is here. Hello. Hey girl. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being Thank here. Thank you for I'm, being here. <laughs> I'm freaking out right now. So. <laughs> Phoenix is fangirling, for sure. I, I am. I'm very excited that you're here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> um, so I host a podcast called SlayerFest98. Um, <clears throat> mostly started as a Buffy podcast. We've expanded to kind of just anything I like. Um, and I also co-host a podcast, uh, a horror podcast called My Bloody Judy, um, with one of my best friends, Zachary, and he is also a co-host, a sometimes co-host on a Slayerfest. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm also a freelance writer. There, That's me, I think. I think that's it. Oh, that's amazing. Um, your show is great, and I always am, like, kind of in awe of the guests that you have sometimes. Like, you talk to Amber Benson all the time, and that, like, blows my mind, and, like... That's where I would fangirl. I, I'm constantly fangirling over Amber Benson. I'm doing it right now. I was just telling someone that I think I've never had, like, luckily, I mean, I'm sure someone has somewhere, but I've never had a bad experience with any of the Buffy actors or Buffy folks that I've had on the podcast. But even saying they're all nice, Amber Benson is, like, the nicest. Like, me saying that doesn't mean anyone else was shitty. She's just, like, so nice and, like, chill and, like, down for whatever. And, yeah. So, like, she's someone it's good to stand because she's, Basically, Tara, if Tara were straight and not a witch. <laughs> Which is I love that. great. Yeah. <laughs> and I have, a, I have a whole thing about Tara in this episode, so I won't. I'll wait till the moment to get into that. I saved it for yeah. last. Yeah. So, Ian, we talked about this a little bit, but do you have a personal connection to witchcraft? Uh, tell us about any of your thoughts about it. And what's your relationship to Buffy? Um, so I think I mentioned this to you, like, in the realm of, like, any kind of, like, religious or spirituality stuff. I'm kind of, like, a grumpy atheist, but, like, Wicca and more that vein is stuff I can get behind where I'm, like, yeah, because I feel like, and I mean, this might be a bad generalization, but I feel like it's, like, less oppressive than a lot of other, like, things that people can tie themselves to for, like, spirituality or for, you know, any kind of, like, group like that. Um, So I tend to, like, vibe more with people on that end. Um, Same thing, like... I mean, I know it's not the same thing, but, like, I'm the same way with, like, astrology. Like, I don't really know much about astrology, but, like, I always get along with any, like, astrology girls. And, like, I, I like mean, when they tell me. <laughs> and Okay, good. Yeah. And, like, I like when they're like, oh, well, this means this. This means this. Uh, you were born here, so this means blah, blah, blah. And I like that shit. I don't. I'm not knowledgeable on it, but I like hearing it, if that makes sense. Totally. That absolutely <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Um, And then I guess with Buffy, I just, I mean... Their magical system is a little uh, not that, uh, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but it's not. Um, sometimes it feels like they were doing it as they went along. 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I say that as it's my favorite show. So um, it's not like I'm like, Ugh. Um, it doesn't bother me that much, I guess. Um, but I guess I like it because I feel like Buffy has more of sensibilities of like if you had to categorize Buffy into something like I feel like it has more like I mean, when it's punishing the women, no, but like the other like the, the characters and the way they act like Willow for me made sense as a, a Wicca um, Tara really like Tara. I feel like that's absolutely someone I would have been friends with in college and would have smoked weed together. Like um, 100. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like she would be the cool girl that like doesn't care about everyone else. And that I am like, Oh, she's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you're not like a witch yourself, but you're like, you're like a witch hag basically. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're the gay guy who collects the witches. I get it. I get it. That's, That's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I hope that doesn't sound like fetishizing. It's not like no, like, not at all. No, no, I get it. I would say your your assumption that like witchcraft kind of religions are less oppressive is sort of true, but also we talk a lot on this show how that's maybe a reputation that witchcraft would like to have that it can't always back mm-hmm. up. You know, that's fair. that's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's the same way with like. I mean, I like used to always say that when I was younger, and I thought I was like you know, hot shit. I'd be like, well, like, you know, Christianity is the only religion that's oppressive. And I used to always like be like, Ugh. all the other ones are like, cool. And then like slowly I was like, mm, wait a minute, maybe I don't like any of them. <laughs> I think witchcraft is one of those ones where it's like, we're oppressive to people within the community, but we're not like actively seeking to oppress other people, you know, but there's a lot of people in witchcraft that will be like, you're not doing that right. And like, it's sort of that kind of vibe. It's like there's definitely which is, some classism and some racism, and still a little bit of sexism for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I always say the Buffy fandom is a pretty like chill, nice fandom to be in. But even in the Buffy fandom, you can find like the dickheads that are gonna like you know comment dumb shit or like randomly when there's someone who's like wildly conservative, and I'm like, how do you even like Buffy? Like, <laughs> right? I, I once had an argument with someone who was like, you make Buffy political, and it never was political. And I was like, I don't really know. Not at all. <laughs> what? what? Not at all Show with those lesbian you witches. Not. Right? Like... <laughs> yeah, absolutely fucking not. And like, the teenage girl that overthrew her government. <laughs> right? Like... Not at all political. <laughs> Buffy is my favorite show of all time. I have been watching it since I was three years old. Um, Ugh, that makes just... me feel even older. For real. <laughs> Shit, Phoenix. <laughs> it has, it's shaped like every single part of who I am as a person, including the witchcraft thing. Mm. Like because of Buffy, I am a witch today. Like oh, it is a, like probably the most central piece of why I was in search for witchcraft specifically. Cool. cool. And that's pretty much what I, the story I would tell is exactly that, except with Charmed. And that's sort of how Phoenix and I came together to decide that we needed to do this like pop culture witchcraft podcast. <laughs> I love that. And I do want, I do want to say, um, since I can look at your face and say it, um, thank you, Ian, for just kind of being and doing you for oh, the past thanks. several years, because I think Phoenix will agree with me. Um, you and Kristen Russo and Jenny Owen Young's or like our big inspirations. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. <laughs> For sure. And Phoenix got Phoenix got how powerful podcasting was before I did. But I definitely get it now through listening to you and people like you. How amazing it is that through this medium, like queer people ha- suddenly have a voice to comment on pop culture. And our opinions on pop culture did not matter for right, yeah. so long. Like they didn't they didn't want to hear what we had to think. 
And I don't see pop culture as some meaningless, mindless entertainment thing. I see it as like a living, breathing part of our world that informs everything, which is why I think talking about it is so important. I I really, really appreciate you saying that because there's a lot of times when I'm like, what the fuck am I doing this podcast for? No one listens. It's like five of my friends that listen like, Bleh. and then so hearing things like that makes it really nice to like, I mean, you both know you do a podcast, it, right? That shit can get stressful with like scheduling and like ugh, getting people and like sometimes you're just like, oh, God. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, even now, like I have a couple of freelance jobs, not to shit on my freelance jobs, but like that are gay outlets and that they don't want pop culture. They like don't. And I'm like, no, I promise. Like queer people still want to hear like about a superhero movie from like a queer person. Well, is like, it like, I mean, the, I think the nostalgia is a big factor of it too. Like when, you know, when Charmed was coming on, like queer people really weren't talking about it and they weren't represented in it. And yeah. Buffy was kind of like that until the Willow thing happened, and that was pretty revolutionary. But it's like, back when these things were important to us, when they were shaping who we are, we didn't have the medium of podcasting yeah. to put our opinions out there and make other people have to care about them. But now we do, and we're going back to talk about things that basically informed who we are as people and interpret that through a queer lens, which is a voice that just hasn't been out there enough. But now we're doing it. I, uh, I just, I, this is gonna sound fucking stupid, not to shamelessly plug, I just wrote a piece for Matthew Shepard Foundation about that specific thing about Sarah Michelle Gellar, how, you know, she's clearly had queer fans her entire career, but like, like you said, we didn't have a voice, so she wasn't really being asked about that, and now that she's doing press tours for her new show, she gets to engage with that, and while sometimes it's a little cringy, not gonna lie, <laughs> it still is, like, really nice to see that, like, this woman who meant a lot to queer people, you know, 25 years ago, and, like, we still are fans and whatever, but we didn't have, like, a a thing to stand that wasn't older, and, like, getting to see her, like, engage in that, like, that one video that was making the rounds of, like, um, the person asking her, like, what's it feel like to still be a gay icon, and she was, like, I thought she gave a really nice answer, and it, like, every time I've watched it, it's made me tear up, because she was, like, you know, you guys show up for me, and I try to, I hope that I show up for you as well, and that's, like, I don't know. I just like you. We would have never gotten someone being asked something like that twenty five years ago, right? Like, for that sure. just And it's like yeah. so nice to see someone from back in the day when that wasn't asked still be able to answer and answer that like in a thoughtful, nuanced way. That she didn't sound like she was fetishizing. She didn't. She wasn't like, oh my gaze. It was just like you know, this community is good to me, and I try to be good to it. You know, like I thought that was nice. Yeah, I mean, what else would you expect from SMG though? Right. She. She is, I fully believe she is a goddess upon this earth. I, like, she is, she played my hero, right? Like, Buffy is Buffy my is hero. the central and... figure in Phoenix's religion. <laughs> it is a fact. She really Same. is. I, I, I love, I love Buffy so much. And, like, the character is, like, I just identify with her so much. And then, so, like, anytime I see Sarah Michelle Gellar do anything, I'm like, oh, my God, I love you. <laughs> She's, like... She's like my Mariah Carey, yeah. kind of, you know, like, 100%. And I, I just made fun of you, but it's it's kind of similar for me. Um, I like the concept of archetypes. That's big for me in the way I think about spirituality and religion. Um, as far as, like, deities go, I'm very... I'm always, I've always been attracted to Artemis, uh, moon goddess, 
probably a big lesbian, at least asexual, you know, kills evil men. That's my kind of thing. So I sort of see, <laughs> I sort of see Buffy and Artemis kind of as the same archetype of the, the avenging warrior woman. And so I guess that's, yeah, that's kind of why she's important to me too. Uh, I, 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 not to whatever, like my, our episode on Chosen, which is like my favorite episode, I like definitely cried like three separate times was like muting myself because it's like <laughs> she, I, like I, I get all the critiques of season seven, but I like genuinely think that ending is like very important to me. And not even, mm-hmm. not even like there's, I, I do think like if you think about it too much, some of the plot falls apart a little bit, but I think the messaging is really important there. And for me, not even like, she shares her power. That's great, too. But, like, there's a little beat at the end when she jumps off the bus and she looks, at, literally looks at the road ahead and takes a deep breath. And, like, I don't know. That's really important to me that she gets that ending where she's like, oh, I can do this. I can look at what's ahead. Because, like, I don't know, being my hero for seven seasons, it's like, I don't want her to have a shitty ending. I don't want her to have to, like, everyone's like, oh, season five should have been the end. Absolutely not. I did not want it to end with her dying because she doesn't deserve that. Like, I... Sure, in Mm -hmm. real life, shit like that happens. But, like, for my hero in a fiction setting, no, I want her to get a nice ending, you know? Yeah, I I actually... I have a tattoo of the scythe. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, I love that. On my arm. And the little banner says, um, are you ready to be strong? (laughs) You don't have your actual scythe with you, do you? I don't. I have... I do have a replica of the scythe in my house. It's really uh, pretty. The last episode is probably my favorite episode of the show because I just think that it's fucking incredible. I'm still waiting for my Slayer powers to turn on. <laughs> Same. But whatever, it's fine. I don't know. Season seven totally landed for me. That's all I have to say. I'm I'm not oh, one of it, the critics. I loved all of it. It did? Okay. I cool. did. <laughs> so so let's push ahead a little bit. Who's what who is everyone's favorite witch in the show? And what do you think the best witchcraft episodes in Buffy are? Uh, I mean, Willow's, I, I feel like I was like, that's a corny answer, but it is Willow. Willow's everyone's favorite. I feel like Willow and Tara are really important um, mm-hmm. in general, of course. But I also think like, I don't know, I like that it's like lesbian witches. I like their relationship. Hell yeah, who I... doesn't like that? <laughs> right? Yeah, like. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, so my favorite witch is actually Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Because right. I think she's hilarious. Because you are a rat, just like her. <laughs> Serious. Of course she's Amy so is your favorite funny. witch. This stupid bitch <laughs> turned herself into a rat for three years. <laughs> and then and then she comes out of it and she's a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just no responsibility for her own actions. I just I think Amy is so funny. <laughs> um, I guess my, I think my favorite, uh, my favorite episode about witchcraft would probably be Tabula Rasa because I love that episode. It's sad, and you know Willow's not doing something great, but I overall like I love the episode and I do kind of like that it's funny throughout and then has like a emotional sad beat at the end. Not that I like what happens, really, but you know what I mean. I like that it does both. Girl, who are you kidding? You know it. You you know you love it when the characters are sad. <laughs> yeah. It, is that does that one have Michelle, Michelle Branch? Is that the yep. one? I mean, it how does. can you not love Michelle Branch? Shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wasn't she also on Charmed and like around that same time? She was, she was doing the she exact same was. fucking song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the exact same song. <laughs> I have to, I'm obviously, it's Tara. Like, obviously it's Tara. I can't, but I really want to say a close second is Jenny Calendar for me. I do really like Jenny Calendar. 
I do. Phoenix, uh, Phoenix mm-hmm. hates her. Really? He doesn't want me to talk about her. I want to do like a whole episode about her. And he's like, fuck that bitch. Wait, Phoenix, tell us. Why do you, why do you hate Jenny Calendar? She's a sneaky bitch. <laughs> like, for no reason. For no reason. Just show up and tell the truth, ho. Like, why? Why was the, why was there this whole thing? Just I feel bad for her because I feel like she didn't fully know. And then once she fully knew, Buffy was like choking her on her desk and then like she dies. She was like, I feel I feel she bad. was pressured by her family into doing yeah. the wrong thing. And when she tried to make up for it, she got murdered. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like she did try. Yeah. And then she gets killed. That sucks. <laughs> well, you know how that could have been avoided? Ugh. Not fucking lying. <laughs> Just say, hey. I'm here because that motherfucker is cursed and we did it and I got to keep an eye on him. But like, but she didn't know like fully what would happen. It's not like she like knew he would go evil and kill them all if they had sex. Well, I mean, we can blame Joss Whedon for that. Right, yes. That's not her fault. <laughs> Although I guess given that entire time period, we should have expected that. Right, yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, I guess we should say we're talking about witchcraft in the Buffyverse today, everyone, because <laughs> normally we have this whole scripted thing and we're like, we're talking about this episode and it aired on this day and this is what happened, but like that's not what we're doing this time. Maybe, so. maybe Phoenix will record something later that makes it seem like we did know what we were doing. How about that? <laughs> All right. So, Siren, you have some thoughts. How does witchcraft work in the Buffyverse? Yeah. So, I, I wrote a list of things that spells seem to require. And I thought maybe we could talk about, like, how legit that seems. Um, Yeah. So I think pretty much all the time, whenever anybody does a spell, they have to say some words. They have to have some ingredients. There's always hand gestures. And I feel like they have to have, like, some kind of just, like, knowledge about magic. Like, they have to have all of those things for it to work. But then sometimes there's a deity. Sometimes you need another witch. And sometimes you need, like, some kind of special talisman. Like, there's only Mm -hmm. one of them. And you got to find it in a crypt or something. Yeah. God, now you're doing the thing of, like, asking a straight person about gay things. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to blame Phoenix for that one. (laughs) Um, I do think that is an accurate description of how it goes in the Buffyverse. Um, But I've definitely been told by numerous people that it's not... The way magic is done in the Buffyverse is not quite accurate to... Yes and no. Well, here's what... Yeah, here's what I think. So the things... The things that I listed are kind of like what the witches need to make magic happen. And for me, all of that kind of checks out, except for maybe like the the sacred talisman hidden in a crypt or whatever. Like, I don't know. I'm not necessarily going to like go on an adventure every time I want to do a spell. Yeah. But um, the rest of it, sure. Like uh, a lot of spells have words you say out loud. A lot of people like to use some kind of ingredients, crystals, herbs, the same stuff you see Willow use. Hand gestures, you know, not everybody's about that, but I'm a homosexual and I used to do speech and theater, so it's just kind of, just kind of happens, <laughs> you know? So for me, like, honestly, I think Buffy is one of the shows that gets it pretty close to right, honestly. With, I mean, special effects and shit aside. Well, so what I wanted to say is the casting of spells seems correct to me it's just the effect of doing so is not the reality i mean the one thing that i that i do often criticize spells in the buffyverse about is randomly invoking deities that you have never had a relationship with before like that's the thing that's the one piece of it where i'm like maybe don't do that because that is frowned upon these days although Back in the 90s when Wicca was like at your local bookstore. I don't know, man. We were all about that. (laughs) Yeah. See, I started practicing a little bit 
later. I didn't start practicing until I was 18 and I'm 26 now. So like it's, it's only been about eight years and I wasn't really active in the 90s because I was like a wee little tot. Phoenix just called us old, Siren. <laughs> he, yeah, on the daily. I don't even like react to it anymore. It's whatever. <laughs> um, like witchcraft for me when I was little was like, I'm going to run around with a broom between my legs because that's what Sabrina does, you know? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, or like I used to break rakes in my backyard and pretend to slay vampires with the, the, the wooden <laughs> handles. My mom really hated that I a lot. That. <laughs> but yeah, that's the one. That's really the only piece, other than like also the the like finding a sacred talisman in you know ye old McGregor's crypt or whatever. That I don't really that I don't really vibe with. It's just those two pieces of it because sometimes you do need another witch to cast a spell. I almost always use herbs in my spells. I almost always say something out loud, and I like to pretend I know what I'm doing. So like, yeah. exactly. <laughs> fair, fair. I used to when I lived in New York. Um, there was a. Uh, a tarot card reader race to go to, like, occasionally. A friend found him. I This is going to be vague. I think he was on, like, Real Housewives or something. Oh, shit. He was on some reality show as, like, he did tarot for whoever. Um, and that's how he, my friend found this guy. And he was really good. I don't remember his name, so, again, it's going to be vague. It was in the East Village. But, like, it really, like, I loved the shop. It was, like, you went into the back room and it looked so shady. So it was just, like a fold-out chair and a fold-out table in, like, a closet room in their stock room, and that's where you got your cards read. But, like, it reminded me of Buffy, because it was, like, you walked through, it was, like, a magic shop, and you walked through to the back mm -hmm. to get the tarot readings, and they, like, had, there was, like, a cat there that was, like, always, like, crawling around, and there was, like, a bunch of crystals, there was, like, a wall of crystals, there was, like, a wall of incense, and I, like, I loved it. I loved the whole, like, vibe of it. You know, I will say, every time there's a magic shop on Buffy, it always looks like a real magic shop to me. Okay. Like, the yeah, magic yeah. box the whole time, just every, every time they're in the magic box, no matter who owns it, it always looks legit to me yeah i just started a job at uh at an occult shop and i feel like i'm in the magic box every day it's amazing it's the coolest <laughs> thing <laughs> yeah so we have a little segment on our show called myth taken that we're going to transition into right now and it's going to be all about the word wicca and how they use it in the buffy verse wrong Welcome to You Must Be Myth Taken, the part of the show where we call out the wild inaccuracies and misrepresented figures, features, and creatures in mythology. Um, they say Wicca all the time in Buffy. <laughs> it's almost never the right way. <laughs> it's never correct. It's never correct at all. Ever. And so... We, I really wanted to use this episode as a chance to talk about, like, what Wicca actually is as compared to the way they talk about it on television, but specifically in Buffy. That gets it, like, <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> Just every time. But do you know what else? Um, I actually got a criticism from a fan that on this show, Phoenix, we like to say that Wicca is not what you see on TV, but we've never once told our listeners what it is. <laughs> <laughs> And we are, like, several episodes deep at this point. <laughs> we finished a whole fucking yeah, season of Charmed. I know. Um, We've never once. Oh. Yeah, so that, like, kind of, that was pretty cutting. 
<laughs> it is bad when you get like a complaint and you're like, oh shit. And you're like, yeah, red for filth. I know. Yeah. Uh, so let's do that now. Um, and do you know what, Ian? Actually, you know the person who said this to me because you were on their show too. <laughs> it was Jenny Eisenberg from Hey Adora. Who <laughs> <laughs> said this to me. She is my most thoughtful critic. Hey, Jenny. <laughs> that that tracks for Jenny. Hello, Jenny. <laughs> I want to first talk about, like, give an actual definition of Wicca, and then maybe after that we'll talk about the way it gets portrayed on television. So, um, and the difficulty here is that when you're talking about Wicca, there's actually two different kinds of Wicca that people may be talking about. There's traditional Wicca and modern Wicca, and a person who's saying the word Wicca might mean either one of those, and neither one of those camps really wants to surrender that they're the one. (laughs) So that's Confusing, (laughs) for starters. Um, So I guess think of Wicca as a religion with, I guess, multiple sects. Yeah, it's like how Christians have Baptists, Wiccas have other Wiccas. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to say that the two main ones would be like traditional and modern. And of course, that's like way oversimplifying things. Yeah, let's talk about Blue Star Wicca today. Wait, is that like a name of like one of the, or did you just make that up? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, blue like there's 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 traditions like Blue Star Wicca, uh, Dianic Wicca, Alexandrian Wicca, Gardnerian Wicca. There's like there's a whole bunch of different traditions, and basically they were pretty much all made up by old white dudes who were like, "This is how I like to practice witchcraft." Well, yeah, um, that's the gist. So basically, everything Phoenix just said <laughs> is how I would define traditional Wicca. <laughs> um, yes. It, it, so it came first, heavily propagated by Gerald Gardner and his friends and students. People like to say originated in the 1950s, but that sort of more mean like we don't know exactly when it started happening, when people started practicing it because it started as a mystery cult. But more people started finding out about it and being involved in it in the 1950s and then to the point where like books were published. I didn't realize it was like that modern. That It's super modern. And do you know why that is, Ian? Because people love to say that it's the oldest religion in the world. They love to say that. There's n- literally no evidence of that because it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, It's like how in season seven when Willow's like, no, I, I would say what I practice is pretty old AG. Like, girl, <laughs> yes. it's not. <laughs> it's exactly it's that. Not. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's, you know, made by straight white men in the 1950s, there's a bunch of gender binary bullshit that is, like, not cool. It added the concept of, like, female deity, so god and goddess, and that later turned into something more progressive, but at first it really wasn't at all. Traditional Wiccans considered magic as, like, an integral part of every religious service, every religious practice. Literally, like, if you take a look at, like, a Catholic mass, a lot of it, will really overlap with a traditional Wiccan ceremony, other than, like, the namesakes being That's used. a really great metaphor. Um, think of, like, traditional Wicca as more like Catholicism and modern Wicca as more like Protestantism. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was just talking about this with my mom, actually. Um, how, like, just someone, I forget, oh, uh, one of my co-hosts, Gabe, who he's also Puerto Rican like I am, we were talking about how, like, relatives, like my grandma, she was very, like, she had her Jesus statues, but she was, like, she was progressive. And she would also, like, add in weird things that she, to her were part of 
Catholicism, but, like, clearly, like, she, like, was very into, like, Santeria and, like, mm-hmm. would talk about that. But, like, to her, that was part of Catholicism. Yeah. And um, one of my co-hosts, Gabe, was like, that's because it's, like, island folks, like, their religion just got integrated. It was, like, they kind of mushed it mm. together. He was like, Absolutely, so that's why. That is true. Yeah, and he was like, that's why, to your grandma, mm. that was still part of, but it's not. Like, and me and my mom were talking about that, how, like, how often, like, older folks in our family on the Puerto Rican side will have that aspect. And like my favorite story about that, which will sound grim, but it's funny because my grandma was ridiculous. My, when my grandma was in hospice, she, I went to visit her. My boyfriend had just dumped me the day she went into hospice. Mm. Um, and I didn't want to like tell her she's in hospice care. Right. She kept asking where he was. So eventually I was like, all right, can everyone leave so I can talk to her grandma? I tell her, and the first thing she did was she grabbed my hand and was like, do you need me to give you money? Go see a Santero in New York. Those are the real ones. They will put a curse on him and he will be gone. And I was like, <laughs> well, thank you. But she was like, they don't have real ones around here in Jersey. So don't go to one around here. <laughs> Those fake ass Jersey Santeros. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Your grandma sounds fucking rad. <laughs> Your grandma sounds awesome she was very weird and cool yeah (laughs) yeah no that's absolutely true a lot of like a lot of other spiritualities did just kind of get integrated and a big part of that was like safety and and keeping themselves safe from their oppressors like just being like oh no this is it's still jesus right yeah i'm you know i'm gonna bury this poppet in my backyard but for god yeah yeah it's it's very (laughs) that that makes sense to me (laughs) so modern wicca is a little bit different though um it's it's quite a bit more like fluffy bunny than what came previously well that's okay that's a little unfair phoenix or that lacks (laughs) a little bit of nuance i would say as usual (laughs) (laughs) the girls are fighting oh no (laughs) oh this is normal this is this is just another day at the office honey it's fine I take no sides. You're both wonderful. (laughs) I'm the cute one. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So modern Wicca descends from this traditional Wicca. Traditional Wicca was very like closed quarters. Let's not have a lot of people invited. And, you know, they're all people we've picked. So like. And that was to cover up all the the sexual assault that was happening. Stuff like that. When traditional Wicca gets out and people start writing books about it, um, the mass public starts having access to it. People start practicing and. But they're not involved in these mystery cults. They don't have all this peer pressure to do everything exactly the right way. Mm. So people start taking what they like and then coming up with other stuff and then studying other traditions and writing their own books. And so from there, Wicca has just really just evolved into sort of whatever the people practicing it want to take in. (laughs) Definitely a fair amount of cultural appropriation involved in that, although not all of it's negative. The traditional Wiccans see modern Wicca that I just described and a lot of them don't, they feel like it's like a bastardization, I guess. And then a lot of modern Wiccans see the traditional Wicca as like kind of stodgy and crusty and enmeshed in like regressive values, which I guess I just described myself (laughs) right there. (laughs) I mean, but there are some things that um, pretty much all Wiccans have in common. So I've listed them. Um, So for the most part, not always, but for the most part, anyone calling themselves a Wiccan probably worships or values or knows about the god and goddess. They probably use the Wiccan read and other writings, and that's the, like, and you harm none, do what you will. Uh, yeah. The five elements of mm-hmm. earth, air, fire, water, and spirit. The concept of casting a magic circle to make wherever you are a sacred space. And then, like, the Sabbaths, the eight 
sacred days of the year. Those are kind of the things that all Wiccans share. The the Wiccan creation story is really kind of gross. A little bit. Uh, so, like, you know how in Christianity it's like God created the heavens and the earth and all of the, the stuff. In Wicca, the creation story is the goddess gives birth to the god, and then the god grows up and has sex with the goddess and gets her pregnant with himself, and then he is born again out of her, and the cycle repeats itself. Well, you forgot the part where after he's born out of her, then he has to go and kill his father so that he can be with his mother. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. It's, it, it, it's very Freudian. That's one interpretation of the god and goddess story. I think a lot of a lot of modern Wiccans don't love it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a little... Yeesh. I mean, that feels very, like, Norse and Greek gaudy to me. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's so I actually learned this really recently um from one of my coworkers at the uh the witchcraft store. A lot of the times in these like Wiccan mystery cults, they would use god and goddess as like placeholders for the deities that they were actually working with so that outsiders or new people in the tradition wouldn't know right away what deity that was was affiliated with that particular coven. Was it like uh like gatekeep girl boss thing or like a like we need to keep this a secret because something bad could happen thing? Um a little bit of both. Okay. It was like let's keep the underlings in the dark so they don't have as much power as us. But it's also like if this person decides not to join our group and goes over to that group and then that group knows what God and Goddess we're okay. working with and maybe they could like mess with our shit. Okay, you know? yeah. That's all super dramatic. So. I I don't even have any idea what you're talking about, but I don't like it. This is something else that Jenny said to me. Jenny said to me that we always say that Wicca, Witchcraft, and Paganism are not the same thing, and we've never once told her what the difference is. <laughs> so I want to do it now. Well, luckily I have all the answers. So, uh, Paganism is a collection of religions that share key aspects such as uh, polytheism, magic, feminine or earth-focused divinity, or otherwise marked as not being among the five major world religions. Some people don't love that interpretation, though. The the umbrella of the not being the big five. Agreed. Um, but it is mm-hmm. a definition. Wicca is a religion that falls under the category of paganism. So... I guess you could say that for the in general, all Wiccans are pagans, but not all pagans are Wiccans. That makes sense. Um, and then witchcraft is a system of using magic to attempt to affect change, and it's present in many, but not all pagan religions, including Wicca. Witchcraft can also be practiced in any religion. Does all that make sense? I mean, I don't know that I could. It's, I tomorrow I will not be able to. Can I can't hear, me? hear you. Oh, I think you might have. I think you might have muted yourself. <laughs> I did! Jesus Christ! <laughs> Hello, I've been podcasting for six years, and yes, I don't fucking know what I'm doing. Um, it's hard, I was, I was <laughs> God. Um, I was going to say, I. it makes sense, but I don't know that, like, in ten minutes I could explain it back to you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to say there will be a test at the end oh, of this. Oh, no! <laughs> Hello, we have a little announcement. So we've actually created a Buy Me A Coffee. Buy Me A Coffee is a platform where content creators can gain support from their audience in a more interpersonal format. You can donate on a one-time basis or a subscription for a monthly fee. 
We love making this show for you guys so much, but it is quite a lot of work. No matter what, we are going to continue making content and expanding into new avenues, but we will be able to do that in a much grander way with your help. One-time donors of less than $5 will receive a shout out on our Twitter and donors of $5 or more will receive a producer credit on the episode following your donation. So if you donate on the day that we post an episode, the next episode you'll be credited as a producer. We are workshopping some other perks down the line for you guys. Um, some things we have in mind are a private Facebook group for WBR listeners, members only episodes, access to bloopers, mailing lists with book recommendations, and curated witchy playlists. The possibilities are endless, honestly. We're witches, dear. We can do anything. Let us know what you'd be interested in. And how can they do that, Phoenix? You can let us know what kind of perks you would like to receive by sending us an email at witchbereview at gmail.com. There will be links to our Buy Me a Coffee page in the show notes of every episode going forward, but you can find us there by searching for our full name, Witch Bitches Review, or our social media handle, WBRCast. Thank you guys so much for all of your support over the last year and a half or however long we've been doing this show. It's been such a blast, and we hope that we can continue to make it for you in the future. So now that we've gotten all of that backstory out of the way, we can talk about Buffy now. Yeah. <laughs> I will have more to add. I will I will be able to... I, but I did appreciate... I've been, like, enjoying learning shit. Yeah. So let's talk about witchcraft in season one of Buffy in particular. Because there's really only a couple of episodes where it happens. Um, and the first one is Witch. It's the third episode of the show. And what does it say to us, though, that our first introduction to a witch in Buffy is evil. I mean, I think that's just kind of what was happening at the time. It's season one. I, I still love season one, but it's like rough and it's kind of monster of the week. And I'm like having a witch works only because it's like, oh, cool. We're already going outside the vampire box and the show is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But I like that it was like pretty immediate that they were like, look, she's not just going to fight vampires. There'll be all sorts of supernatural things. Um, I totally agree with that. When I, Cause I watched the show in order on DVD and when I saw the witch episode, I was like, I was very fascinated. I didn't know that it was going to be about other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, the witch was is one of my favorite um, season one episodes. I I just rewatched um, for my Patreon. We were watching um, Bewitched, Bewildered, and Bothered, and I was like, oh shit, I forgot that like Amy isn't a witch until they find out in that episode. And like, I like the turn of like her mom was a bad witch, but I mean, eventually she goes bad too. But like at the in seasons two and three, she is a good witch, right? Like I liked the idea of like having a, a mom who's a bad witch and she like figures out how to use like witchcraft and like whatever, but isn't bad because her mom was bad. I mean, we get there eventually, but not right away. So like that really worked for me, I think. If that makes sense. It does, except I never thought Amy was a good witch. Yeah. I always <laughs> thought Amy was chaos, no matter what she was doing. Which is probably why I like her so much. Probably. I think she's fair, probably a fair. fucking Gemini. Like I was you. just about to say Amy's probably a Gemini. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like the episode. I think it's really cool. Like, especially like the upstairs, like the attic of Amy's house. I know it's supposed to be like weird and creepy, but I wish my house looked like that. I, I would love to have a big bubbly cauldron full of goo and like cats and boxes and, and fucking doll heads hanging from the ceiling. Yes. Uh... Why not? It's aesthetic. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool though, because this is like, 
it's sort of like a modernization of a of a kind of magic that's used. So the dolls, like the the Barbie dolls, are acting like puppets, right? They're like yeah, yeah. voodoo dolls of these teenage I want girls. that Cordelia doll, <laughs> right? Seriously, <laughs> and yes. the, that's actually an actual type of magic that's being done. That's called sympathetic magic, where it's like this thing mm-hmm. that I have and I'm doing things to is going to affect what it represents. Yeah, I for I, until you just mentioned it, I forgot that there is like. I like the horror movie aspect of, like, season one, I mean, the budgets, you also see the budget (laughs) the whole season. But, like, I feel like they, like, with what they had, they do try to, like, lean into, like, horror movie-ness of it all. And I do, I kind of like that. Like, I, you know, they kind of dropped that by season two, but I, like, I don't know, I like that, like, she has this, like, you know, there's dolls hanging from the ceiling, it's dark, it's, like, I I like that kind of shit. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I really, I can't, I don't criticize a lot of Buffy for for a lot of things that other people do. I really admire season one, because I think it's incredible what they did with their budget. Like, that's how I've always seen it. I've always seen the actors, like, totally smashing the hell out of it, and them doing their absolute best with lighting and camera angles. I think season one's great, but that's that's just me no i no i agree with you i always say like that's the for me the difference between angels like i i like angel but season one of angel is the roughest for me of like any seasons of either show yeah because like they do have a budget but like they didn't know what they were doing with the show no, and like first no for sure buffy felt like more the opposite like the characters were all there the actors were all 100 percent already but like it was like the, the the budgetary stuff that wasn't all there yet, and I I agree with you. Like, but nobody nobody in season one is acting like they're on a low budget mid season replacement. They're acting yes. like they're on a hit show already. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I, <laughs> I mean, the, the the moment that that really shines for me is in Prophecy Girl, and I know that that's not what we're talking about here, but just. I've been dying for a chance to talk about Buffy in depth on our podcast, and we just haven't had one yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Prophecy Girl is the best episode of season one. I oh, 100% yeah. I will fight anyone who disagrees with me. But that is the like that's the moment especially Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance in that episode but everybody really was like they were like show them show them your acting range Sarah and she did. You yeah. can't argue with Sarah and Prophecy Girl. No. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't no. have to convince anyone. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the so. The <laughs> scene where she's yelling at Giles and throwing things at him that was just like that's gold. Yeah. I cry every time I watch that scene. And season one is probably Same. my least favorite season of Buffy. But that episode is one of my favorite episodes of the whole show. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, the other time that there's magic is in I, Robot, You, Jane, which is probably my least favorite episode of season one. <laughs> it's really dumb, but I also really like it. <laughs> Siren, I agree, Siren. Because, like, I get that it's stupid, but, like, I fucking love it because it's so ridiculous. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is why I love Jenny Calendar is because there's shit that happens in that episode that I actually did as a teenager. Really? And I am talking about chat room rituals. <laughs> I literally... Literally, I lived I, I lived in a super small town and I met other people who were different like me online. And that was the thing back then. Like chat rooms were huge when I was 14, when you were what, Phoenix, six or eight or something. Girl, I don't negative five. I don't know. <laughs> I was alive. I might not have been verbal, but I was alive. But I 100 percent literally did in the 2000s participate in some chat room rituals <laughs> in MSN chat. I love that. <laughs> I really did. And so 
when I saw Jenny Callender do that as like a way to beat the bad guy, I was like, fuck yeah, bitch. I done, I've, lived, I've been there. I could banish that demon. Shit. <laughs> I, I do really, I just really like Jenny. And I think she is a good foil for Giles because I love Giles, but like, I think it works him having this like, at the time, like modern techno pagan as like his like love interest i like the jenny giles thing i do i'm i'm a big jenny fan uh we can talk i i i'm so glad you like jenny because i was just talking about it i think in my last recording that it's like i don't know i think she gets like the like shit end of the stick there because it's like she does try to make up for it once she wins well i mean so i i appreciate it because the point i think the point of it was to break your fucking heart and that's what it does and to this day, every time I'm about to watch Passions, I still dread it. Like, I know it's going to fucking suck. And I it's just every time I almost just don't want to do it. But it's such a good episode. And like her, like, it feels more cruel that he snaps her neck. It's not even yes. like he's like siring her or whatever. It's like, I don't even want to bite it's you. I just want to disrespectful. Kill you. <laughs> and I, I think Joss like literally said that. I've listened yeah. to a lot of the like bonus content on all the dvds i'm sure you have too probably yeah i i was just i've been having a friend um that's been going through buffy for the first time and i love that like i'm always like yes text me all your feelings your first time going through it and so he had just what did he just finish um the body and i was like Mm. you know i don't like to recommend anything about he who shall not be named but the commentary is very fucking good on the body because it like it feels like a mini ted talk about like filming something and i find that like really interesting and like i don't know i I like that shit so like that yeah i do like some of the like commentary and bonus features well and so i mean sometimes things are worth knowing even if uh they're not great so i did i did actually want to add about the about the witch episode that we were talking about um a second ago i do remember listening to him talking about that i remember him saying that he got some like bad reactions from people claiming to be actual witches and they didn't like the way that they were represented in that episode. And his response to that was that he wasn't talking about them at all. And he he hadn't even thought about that, that it was really just the mother daughter thing and witchcraft was a metaphor. He had no consideration that there might be real witches, which is not the first time we've talked about a writer director saying that. Also, not surprising yeah. coming from him. So. Yeah, no, <laughs> not at and all. I'm not saying that because I'm snowflakey butt hurt about the witch episode because I'm not. No, um, not at all. But I'm just saying that he did say that. So bummer. <laughs> it's, it's a huge bummer. I wonder if that was like a. I feel like sometimes you can see in like shows, a like oh, we did this and, like, let's do a little bit of a course correct. And I wonder if that's why Willow then uses the term, like, Wicca and stuff to try to, like, be like, look, we weren't, like, uh, like, one of our writers did look into it and was like, mm, yeah, let's, like, make it not bad. I, I always wonder that. Well, here's what we, here's our general theory about that, is the reason that shows like this say Wicca is because it's less jarring to the audience than the word witch. Mm-hmm. It's less subversive, less radical, um, especially in like the nineties, Wicca was really finding its footing and becoming popularized and like books on Wicca were in every bookstore and they weren't being hidden anymore. So like people kind of knew what it was and they knew it wasn't yeah. really scary or dangerous. So I think that they just felt like if they used that word instead of which, then I guess people would be less afraid. Yeah. Um, I've been, so, um, 
Drew Fuller, Holly Marie Combs, and Brian Krause, stars from Charmed, have just started a rewatch podcast about Charmed that I've been listening to. And Holly Marie Combs has talked a lot on it about this exact thing, about how there was so much pressure to make sure that they were good witches and they were always seen that way because they didn't want to get canceled from people just literally being afraid of the concept of main characters who were witches. And I, Oh my God. I just realized you, I was like, wait, she was, Oh, right. You mean literally the show getting canceled. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's, that's where that all comes from. Yeah. That's definitely the, the purpose of it. But the, the flip side of that and like making it more palatable, which adds some positive representation of witches, like creates some misinformation about what the words are and what they mean and their definitions, which is kind of neither here or there, but at the same time is like, well, maybe be a little bit more accurate in what you're talking about, which is I, it's, why we're here, you know? It is why we're here. And, you know, maybe it's because I've been binge listening to our show again because I have <laughs> no life. But I, love that. I do. Um, it's entertaining, honestly. <laughs> and it makes me feel like I'm hanging out with Phoenix. Um, <laughs> but we talk, we just, I'm always talking about how I'm worried about misinformation coming out through pop culture. And I just feel like I've said it so many times that I almost don't want to whine about it anymore. (laughs) But that is why we're here. So (laughs) let's talk about the next instance of witchcraft after season one, which is in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, which I can never remember the title of. I always remember the Bewitched and Bewildered, but I always call it Bewitched, Bewildered, and whatever the fuck else, because I don't remember the order of the words. I, I think I said the order wrong earlier, so... Um, yeah, I I can't... I couldn't tell you. Um, <laughs> I So I usually skip this one because it's a Xander episode, and I don't like him. Um, Dude, this one's great because Cordelia's great in it. Oh, uh, she's so... Right? I was, like, she's okay. great in everything. But Cordelia <laughs> is good in it, and the spell is cool. The love spell's cool. Um, there's some stupid stuff in it, but the, the spell is cool. Um, this is the point at which, like, before witchcraft was just kind of like a cool fantasy thing they were using. I think this is when, like, the using witchcraft as a metaphor for different things really starts happening. Mm-hmm. Because in seasons two and three, it's like it's always connected to these like big teen experiences and mostly like dating and breakups. <laughs> Is what it like yeah. keeps being connected to for a long time. So I feel like witchcraft is it's kind of Willow's adolescence. It's like a metaphor for Willow's awkward adolescence and becoming like a powerful woman. It, this isn't like a Willow episode, but I do feel like it it starts here with like witchcraft being about these like big teen experiences and rites of passage. Yeah, I that yeah it, it is weird that episode um is Willow's in like five minutes of that episode right which, um yeah it's very weird but yeah no I. Like the episode's problematic because he's doing a love spell and like, like and see this like to... Amy shows up and she's like she makes this happen and we think of her as one of the good guys. <laughs> yeah, fair. I don't know. <laughs> she she has this line when she's talking to Xander and she's like, oh, I don't know, Xander. Intent has to be pure for love spells, and I don't think that's necessarily true, but it is more ethical that way. If you're like being very genuine about it and maybe not trying to get a specific yeah. person to fall in love with you, which is, I was Xander's intention, but is not what happens. <laughs> I actually, I don't disagree with that statement. That intent has to be pure for love spells. He wants to do a love spell. He's motivated by revenge. I don't realistically think that would 
manifest anything good for you. Oh, no. She tried to do that. No. So I, no. I agree with her line. I mean, I I guess I would consider Amy, because she like doesn't want to even do the spell for Xander. I feel like she's more chaotic neutral. The spell itself, though, is really cool. It has um, something of Cordelia's. It's set up in a way that I think would actually kind of work for this. Um, the, the necklace is a tag lock, which gets Cordelia's energy into the spell. It doesn't do what it's... And they use tag locks a lot throughout the whole show. And Ian, when we say tag lock, a tag lock is something that like you obtained from the person that you want to do the spell on. So like okay. lock of their hair, piece of their clothing, something like that. Okay. Which Amy, the Amy's mom uses in the witch episode too. She uses like, she does bracelets yeah. and scrunchies and things like that. So that's really cool and accurate. There's a, a bay leaf, which I don't think has love associations, but whatever. Um, Xander is sitting in the female Venus symbol, and there's some sort of bubbly liquid that makes sparkles, which is kind of cool. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to do that, but I wish I did. Um, I will say, though, I think invoking Diana for a love spell is, like, super stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's super stupid because <laughs> she's she's not a love goddess she's she's a lunar goddess and like the mother of fairies and like crazy shit she is that's some chaotic energy to be like i want to get this person to fall in love with me i feel like diana was like bitch leave me alone and that's why the spell <laughs> went the way that it did well yeah, okay, so when I hear Diana, I think of that as, like, the Roman name for Artemis, and I think that doesn't make any sense for a love spell. But, you know, like, in Dianic Wicca, sometimes Diana is just the name of the goddess. So it kind of depends on how you see it. Well, Diana in, like, in other traditions of witchcraft, like, Diana, the mother of Aradia, is is a goddess that is, like, she's the lunar goddess, and she's the opposite to Lucifer, it just kind of depends on which interpretation you're going with. But Diana as a love goddess doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I think it was just a name that they picked. Well, at least they chose a name of like an actual goddess used in witchcraft, which is more than we can say for a lot of the episodes of Charmed that we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I also, in season two, want to talk about the ritual of restoration. How do you feel about the becoming episodes, Ian? Do you like those two? I don't know that I, I I feel like those are like universal. I don't think there's like a Buffy fan who's like, no, I hate. That yeah, show. well, I mean, there's something for everybody. Um, in those episodes, for me, that's when like Willow really becomes a witch, and you get to see like, oh shit, this bitch is actually super powerful, and something's gonna happen here. And I mean, there's that blue coat. Like, it looks <laughs> fucking blue great. Coat. Oh my god, <laughs> the most iconic scene just ever. Yeah. No one has ever run as well or as iconically as Sarah Michelle Gellar in that blue fucking coat. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I have problems with Willow doing the ritual of restoration in the first place, though. Um, not only because it comes from the Romani people who are pretty, like, particular about their so we practices. definitely have to, we definitely have to talk about that the um, Romani thing. So, sure. a lot of Romani magic is closed and not for people that are not Romani. Um, so there's a there's an issue with that by itself, which I'm sure Siren is a little bit more ready to talk about than I am. I want to talk about the mechanics of the witchcraft of that spell because Willow doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. It's this inexperienced little white girl doing a spell she so knows nothing about. How does she know she's pulling the right soul out of the ether? Well, she had been studying... She had been studying Jenny's books. 
Like, that had been going on for, for a minute, though. Like, back when, um, during the freaking Sadie Hawkins dance episode that I really love. Yeah. Oh, That was when, yeah. like, Wicca, like, Willow started getting into witchcraft by reading Jenny's books. Which, for me, means that Jenny was, like, kind of Willow's teacher. But also, we have seen her do exactly two things witchcraft-related. Banishing a spirit and saying that a rose quartz has healing powers. I don't, th- like, I don't think she's experienced enough as a witch to be able to do this correctly. And clearly she's not, because something takes over her body and does it for her. You know, I think maybe it wasn't gonna work anyway the first time she was doing it, and I think maybe finding the resolve to try again after almost being killed is maybe where she got her power from to do it the second time. I mean, I think to Siren's point earlier, like I think it's supposed to be that like at least this is how I interpret that Willow has like innate powerful magic in her. Like she's not and like she did study like she found the the disc or that's how she knew exactly what the spell was and like mm. she had Jenny's books. So I feel like it's like she did study it, but like mixed with I I always took it as we're supposed to believe that Willow, you know, didn't become a powerful witch. She was born a powerful witch. She just found her power. Yeah. I do think that in fantasy media, that's a fine trope to have. When you apply it to real witchcraft, it's a little bit more like, well, fuck my drag, right? Um <laughs> That's fair, yeah. So the thing that I'm like, the thing that I am specifically like focused on in what Willow is doing with this spell is channeling of a of a soul into another being without like having experience in like spirit communication, without having experience in conjuration. I just think it was a little irresponsible for such an ex- inexperienced witch to be doing the spell, which is something that Giles pointed out. I just want to say, and I want to talk about gingerbread. Yes. <laughs> I love that episode, and I feel like it gets really shit on, but I think it's so I fun. love Gingerbread. <laughs> gingerbread is my favorite episode of the show. I love that. <laughs> because Gingerbread is too real. Gingerbread is too real for me. Um, I love Gingerbread. I think it's a great episode, and I also think that the demon is fucking hysterical. I think it's so funny when those two little kids come together and turn into this big monster and it's like kill the bad girls. It's hilarious and I did love I it. Did I get them? And I love Buffy. Yeah, I was about to say, did I get it? Did I get it? <laughs> did I get it? <laughs> it's her her delivery of just like those stupid lines is so good. And it's, it's so funny. I, I love that episode. Siren has a lot of feelings, so I want to let him talk first. I do. Um, I love Gingerbread because it is totally, it's about like mob mentality and mistreatment of the outcast. And it really like, I think it took on the kind of the same trope used in the Crucible of like witchcraft as a metaphor for the outcast. And I, it really like, it kind of took the Crucible and made it high school, which I think is really <laughs> cool. But the thing is that the Crucible in high school is basically something that actually happened to me because oh, because Jesus. I was becoming a well I was Wiccan in high school for sure and studying witchcraft and like people found out about it and I started getting like bullied and called into the guidance counselor's office and it was like a whole big fucking deal and then oh my god I want to I want to hear more about this story get specific I want to unload your trauma siren I you always want my trauma Because it's funny. <laughs> well, I was mostly just super angry during this whole thing, but I was really concerned that like somebody from the school was going to tell my mom, and that's just really not what I wanted because um, my mother is super 
All right, yeah, fair. Even more back then, she was super conservative and religious, and it just yeah couldn't deal with it. But but I literally lived through the being like bullied for being a witch in high school, um, and I did punch a kid oh. in the face over it once. <laughs> Good for you. Because because everybody thought I was this sissy faggot they could pick on, so I had to just punch this one kid. <laughs> love that. That's I love that end to the story. <laughs> yeah, that's the story. Yes. <laughs> I I love gingerbread and I think that it's just it's a good witch episode. I think that the spells that everyone does is, are really cool. I like the symbols that are used. I like the 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 metaphor of the outcast. That's just kind of like what witchcraft is, right? We're subversive. We're on the fringes. We are the underdogs and people that really aren't cared about that much until s- someone needs a scapegoat for something, right? Um, we see that all the time in real life, and I think that it's that story is told really well in this episode. Um, I was going somewhere with that. There's this one scene though, where again, I'm going to pick on Willows guys. I'm sorry, but there's this one scene where they're doing the locker raid at school. And she's like, Oh no, I have stuff in my locker. Henbane and Hellebore and Mandrake root. That shit's poison. Willow. They should take that from you. (laughs) Why did you bring so many poisons to school with you? That could kill a bitch in like seconds. She, I mean, she really did smuggle like deadly drugs into her locker. There's no no way around it. (laughs) But then she got this like persecution complex about it. They don't want me to have my poisons, but my poisons are my religion. You know, (laughs) I don't, I mean, I don't think she should have gotten tied to a spike in City Hall and set on fire for it, but at the same time, a little extreme, yes. They needed to take those away from her. Probably. <laughs> Do you know what epiphany I just had is that Joyce in that episode is literally my mother. Oh, oh my God. Moo. It's so upsetting, but it's true. It's just know- hitting me now. The, the Joyce beat that I do like is her and Willow's mom when she was like, this was nice. We should get lunch as they're like lighting their daughters on fire. Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yes. yes. Oh, there's so many good moments in that, and in that episode. And one of my all-time favorite like line, like beats in the whole series is in that episode when Cordelia finds Giles. And she's like, one of these days you're going to wake up in a coma. And he's like, wake up in a... Oh, never mind. It's also the wake up in a coma episode, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Which then Cordelia later does on Angel. <laughs> oh, no. Why'd you have to... I know, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, I loved that. <laughs> oh. We don't talk about that on this show. No, that, um, yeah, that sorry. hurt me in just the right way. Sorry to bring negativity onto the show. <laughs> oh, God. I'll just never forget what happens to Cordelia. I just can't. Uh, I know. It I does do, suck. Kara is my favorite yeah. witch, but Cordelia is my favorite character. <laughs> did you did, did you see I, I did a Insta Live with her on a week ago? Yeah, a week ago I did Insta Live. Oh, no, I didn't, but that's awesome. She's a delight. I'm so jealous of you. Why are you so cool? <laughs> I'm just uh, a very persistent gay is what I am. You just gotta keep asking and asking. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like kind of a sidebar, but how does that happen for you? How do you go about like getting such high profile guests on your um, show? I mean, I try to like, it's, uh, I had been emailing like, Charisma Carpenter came on the podcast because I had Stacey Abrams on. I had emailed with Stacey Abrams people for six months back and forth to get her on. I didn't think it was going to happen. But, like, that was maybe the hardest work I ever did. I had to, like, 
find all the email accounts for everyone in the Georgia House of Democrats, email each one of them, then two people responded, then there was a combined email, and then they forwarded me to her scheduler, then her scheduler and her assistant were like, the answer is no right now, but can you circle back in a month? And I was like, oh, they're never going to do this. And then I circled back in a month, and they were like, one more month, and then we'll do it. And then the next month, they circled back, and they gave me four dates. Um, and that really helped get the attention of a lot of Buffy actors, um, because Charisma Carpenter, list, I know, like, Sam Michelle Geller listened to that episode, um, and, like, that's cool. Um, and Charisma Carpenter DM'd me, and she was like, oh my god, I just listened to your Stacey Abrams interview, when are you having me on? And it was funny because when she came on, she was like, I, I think it was like after recording or before I told her how like my goal of doing the podcast was to always get her on. I felt like I could end it now. She was like, why didn't you email my my um, publicist? I named her publicist and her agent. I was able to name them from memory because I'd emailed them so many times. I will say emailing a publicist um, like rarely works for me. That's like it always has to be some other kind of weird um, I was, because I met her when I worked at BuzzFeed, I was friends with Amber Benson's publicist. Very nice woman. She would hook me up. So, like, James Marsters and Claire Kramer, she reached out to them to ask if it was okay to give me their personal email. They said yes. Um, and that's kind of how that shit goes. It's usually, like, know someone who knows someone who doesn't mind asking to connect me. Um, because I feel like, I mean, and understandably so, if you're emailing publicists and agents... Going on a podcast doesn't make anybody any money, right? So, like, right. I'm sure they're like, Pfft. I'm sure Sarah Michelle Geller's agent has my email blocked because I've emailed her so often. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, like, I I just try, like, I'm friendly with, I'm friends with Tom Lank. And, like, you know, I've asked him a few times to, like, help connect me. And, like, really it all stems from I worked at BuzzFeed. I was an intern at BuzzFeed for six months and that helped foster a lot of relationships that I then cashed in on doing this podcast. <laughs> also, on the Tom Link note, can you tell him that he's really cute and I have a crush on him? Please, thank you. <laughs> I, I will. Uh, I will. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I like That's something that I just really admire about your show and that I, I love listening to you like talk to these really incredible people that I have such a connection with and like I feel very like kind of on the same level because you're for lack of a better word just like a normal person just like I am and then these are people that were like my heroes for my whole life and just this like regular person that does what I do is talking to them and that's just incredible to me thank you yeah. I I appreciate that yeah I I I'm also very persistent I mean lately I haven't been as much I will say with charisma carpenter I was stoned and more like you know what? I bet she would do a live if it's from her business account. I should ask her. And so I just DM'd her and she was like, yes, that's a great idea. Let's do it. But it was like, she recognized my name. She didn't even remember that she had been on the podcast before, but she recognized me as like an account that had tagged her in a lot of shit. So like she was a little bit more willing to, you know, I guess like engage mm -hmm. with this person. Um, and like, yeah, I just always like, am willing to like throw it out there. Um, you know, my, one of my like, I don't know. Did either of you watch the show Magicians? I bring. I know I bring that up a lot. Yeah, <gasps> several times. <laughs> I love the Magicians. I was. I wanted to ask you about Summer Bishel so bad. <laughs> so I'm glad you said it because I love her. Because like I, that's funny. Because I was thinking. I was like, oh, I wonder if they watch Magicians. So I would love to talk about that. Um, Summer Bishel. I literally was a lot of things are I'm stoned and I had an idea. Um, I was like, watch, I was doing like a rewatch of the magician stoned. And I was like, I don't even remember what episode it was. Cause right. They have like a lot of Buffy references on the show. And I was like watching, it might've been the one where Summer's character is talking to Elliot. Yeah. Where she's like, actually Dawn was never a baby. Um, and I was like, all right, 
the someone on this show is a Buffy fan. So literally what I did was found like the showrunner's handle on Twitter and searched her name and the word Buffy. I searched Summer Bischel's name and the word Buffy and she had tweeted about Buffy a lot. Like I think when the magician started or before it had been on, she had tweeted a lot about Buffy. I reached out to her agent who ended up being an agent I had dealt with. She has the same agent as Juliet Landau. Um, so the person oh. knew who I was. It's very weird. Right away, they were like, oh yeah, she's interested in doing this because she is a huge Buffy fan. And then when like, eventually it was like, she was like, oh, just email me. You don't have to email my agent. Um, and that's how I got her to be a co-host. I was like, do you want to like co-host my podcast with me? Like you would be really good voice on like angel coverage. She didn't email me back right away. And two weeks later, it was like kind of like the deadline. And I was like, man, she's not going to do this, but let me just email her one more time. And I was like, hey, just wanted to see. And she was like, oh my God, I forgot to say yes. And I was like, <gasps> and she's just like super chill and cool. And it's like, I have a fucking magician's tattoo. And like, I am friends with my favorite character from the show. That is it's pretty that, fucking rad. <laughs> that will never not be wild to me. <laughs> I am also going to get a magician's tattoo very soon. What do you get? So that's awesome. I'm going to get the Hedgewitch stars up my arm. Oh, I love that. I, I'm so glad you both watched that show because, like, I am always, like, you should watch. I'm, like, telling everyone. Because, like, especially if you're, like, a Buffy or Charm fan, like, I feel like The Magicians translates. It's it's incredible. It's one of my favorite shows. I want to do a whole episode about that show. So if you want to come Absolutely. back and talk about The Magicians <laughs> with us. I don't know how we fit The Magicians into that. one episode. But <laughs> I'd love to talk about it, too. Maybe we do a miniseries with Ian Siren G's. <laughs> yeah. Are you committed to that? I know we didn't bother to ask you. <laughs> my my friend Kim, that's my, my best friend for over 25 years, we got the Unity key together. It was her idea. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that I could bully her into coming with me. <laughs> I also now forget what I was... I, there was a point that you were making that I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about the magicians, but let me make sure they've watched it. Now I don't fucking know what I was. I have no idea, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. Like it was, it was, um, I promise I wasn't just going on a tangent. There was a reason, but now I don't remember the reason. Tangents happen all the time on the show. It's totally fine. Just remember, neither you or I have to edit this shit. <laughs> if it comes back to you, just feel free to say it. I'll move it back here. I, I, I'm constantly saying, like, if I told 18-year-old me, oh, you'll be, like, friendly. You'll have James Marster's email. You'll talk to Charisma Carpenter. I would definitely think I was full of shit. Like, there's no way... In any world that I would be like, oh, yeah, that'll happen. Like, it is really cool. Um, and the the cute thing with Charisma, after we did our live, we were DMing a little. And during it, I brought up my mom's. My mom's the one that got me into Buffy, and my mom loves Cordelia. She was like, oh, you should send me a picture of you and your mom. So I did, and she was like, oh, your mom looks so young. She's really 76. And I told my mom that, and my mom has not shut up about the fact that Cordelia Chase said I look young. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So one thing that I really appreciate appreciate about Christmas Carpenter is she like kind of knows her Buffy shit. She does, yeah. Whenever she's asked about something, she either knows or is very close to the right answer. And I, I think that that shows such an appreciation for the fandom to remember all of that because. It's a lot for us, sometimes, right? And it, it is know? funny seeing who remembers what. Um, 
Because, like, Jaina Spenson, every time she's been on, she has her scripts still. Like, I'll be like, oh, do you know, blah, blah, blah. And she'll be like, oh, hold on. And then you'll hear typing. And she's like, let me look at the script. And so she must have, like, wow. had them scanned in at some point. But she literally will read from the original script that she wrote anytime she's on the podcast. And I always think, that's fucking cool, right? That is so cool. Uh, Jane Espison episodes are some of my favorite episodes of the yeah. show. She's so she, good. She she's just, so good. She's so good. I, I always, I my, like, thing that I say a lot is sell the I want just like Joss Whedon to sell it to Jaina Spenson and let her be in charge so that way they like could do something else Siren I'm like moderately excited that you could come over so we could hang out and watch Charmed Aw, Phoenix, thanks for having me over at your shoebox apartment where it cost $40 to park it was definitely worth the three and a half hour drive to get here but at least we're watching Charmed Okay, I'm sorry, but these girls have way too many candles lit. Of course you would say that. Oh, damn, that spell could have gone better. Punish the guilty! Yikes, girl. You know what would have made that spell actually work? If they had used a candle from Fundamental Magic. Oh, are you talking about Fundamental Magic? The candle shop for witches, which is independently owned by Beth Wade, who by absolute coincidence just started sponsoring us? That's the one. If the Charmed Ones got their candles from Fundamental Magic, they could kick butt and mask the smell of demon guts because these candles are all about invoking the feeling of being a badass witch. That's true. My Samhain scented candle came in this adorable purple and black jar, and it really does smell like Samhain. It has these complex notes of witchy herbs and wood smoke, and it smells just like casting a spell in the middle of the night. Beth personally designs all of the fragrances in the Fundamental Magic line, basing the scent profile around witchy concepts such as grimoire and sanctuary and besom. It is literally like so cool that Beth is passionate about candle magic and believes that magical scents, like the ones she infuses into each of her own candles, have the power to unlock memories and manifest desires. When Beth sent me my first Fundamental Magic candle, I was instantly obsessed. They're stylish, and they smell good. And on top of that, they're made by a real witch, and they make you feel like a real witch. I might as well just mention casually, as I'm sitting on your couch discussing this darling small business, that WBR listeners get a 15% discount if they shop using our affiliate link, fundamentalmagic.com slash witchbitches, and that's magic with a K. And you'll find that link in our show notes is what I would say if we were recording and not just hanging out like normal people watching TV. Oh no, Phoebe, why you gotta be so stupid? Well, whether we're out vanquishing demons or enjoying a magical evening at home, fundamental magic candles are just the thing to conjure up the badass witch that is you. Well said, Siren. Now shut up so I can hear the TV. I'm gonna go light some of these fucking candles. Siren, can you please only light one of those? Siren? Siren! I want to talk about lesbians. <laughs> that is why I'm here. That's why I'm here, Phoenix. Okay. Why have you made me wait so long to talk about the lesbians? <laughs> so let us move forward into season four, which I would argue is probably the most witchcraft heavy season. I don't know. There's just kind of a lot from here on out. Yeah. I feel like Willow fully leans into it from like starting the season. And then I feel like it's like kind of... Yeah, well, especially, like, yeah. with Tara. It's when the witchcraft scenes, like, with Tara start happening that 
I mean, becomes... she's leaning into something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's why we're here. In season four, I, witchcraft is a metaphor for her, like, lesbian awakening. It really is. And I think that fucking awesome. I think that is <laughs> yes. fucking subversive as hell. I think... Witchcraft is gay sex. Yeah. Yes. I mean, what season four did, what Buffy did with Willow and Tara in season four, I think was pretty revolutionary for TV. Right, because so often... It would, especially back then, it would just be like, well, we're doing a, the metaphor would be either awful or like we would just see them like maybe like, oh, you're just you're just supposed to know that they're like kind of dating. And like, mm-hmm. I appreciated that we did something. I'm like, you know, I, I think it's in Goodbye, Iowa. I forget which one where they do the spell where it's like they're literally having orgasms. And it's like, all right, I see you. I see what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah, um, that's I mm-hmm. think that's the one in Who Are You? Oh, you're right. That you're is right. the one in that is the one. Yeah, the one that's basically gay sex. <laughs> I think it's cool that they were basically stifled from actually showing Willow and Tara as yeah. gay. Like the network just wasn't having it. So the showrunners decided to use witchcraft as the code for lesbian sex. That's fucking amazing. Right? I feel like they're like, I mostly would be offended by like something being like a code for it. But like that works for me. I'm like, yes. Yes, that yeah, is right. I mean, it sucks. It sucks that that was the way it had right, to be. Yeah. But like, what an amazing thing to come from that, like, oppressive situation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think, I mean, obviously when I was younger, I never really picked up on it. I was like, ooh, magic. But as watching the show again as an adult, I was like, oh, this is sexy. I have a much deeper appreciation for it as a witch and a gay person than I would as just one or the other. You know, like, because those two things intersect for me and they're both parts of my identity. Yeah, so for people like us, I just Willow and Tara is kind of powerful. Yeah, it, I think it's great. And the spell that they do in Who Are You with the, the orgasm is cool as fuck, too. With the, the, like, whispery chanting and the glowy circle rising around them and all the sweat. I think it's I think it's it awesome. Is awesome. It's a really cool spell. And then they move a vending machine together, and that's hot, right? Like... I, my my favorite story about that is when I made my straight best friend that I live with in Brooklyn watch Go Through Buffy. We got to that scene and he looked at me, looked back and he was like, wait, this show is from like the 90s. So they're not actually going to like date. Right. But like they should date. And I was like, we will see. Like, <laughs> and I couldn't believe that he didn't know that. But he like even picked up. He was like, wait a minute. They have good chemistry. And I was like. You're right, they do. Yeah, they do. Like, <laughs> just just it's just like the 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 little interlocking fingers just so slowly yeah. and then it's like it's it's like them moving the vending machine is like them getting like a boner, you know? It's like boom. <laughs> yeah, no, really. <laughs> Fair. Like the moment they realized they were both gay. I mean, witches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so This is all well and good, but we can't forget about the best witchcraft scene in season four. Drama. Talent. Suffering. This is a dramatic reenactment, and we are sorry. We come together, daughters of Gaia. Sisters to the moon, we walk with the darkness, the wolf at our side, through the waterfall of power, to the blackest heart of eternity. I think we should have a bake sale. I don't know. 
You guys like a bake sale, right? You know I do an empowering lemon bun. The most important thing is the Gaia newsletter. We need to get the message of blessing out to the sisters. Also, who left their scented candles dripping all over my woman power shrine? Well, this is good. I mean, this is all fun, you know, but... But there's also other stuff that we might show an interest in as a wicker group. Like what? Well, there's the wacky notion of spells, you know, conjuration, transmutation. Oh yeah, then we could all get on our broomsticks and fly around on our broomsticks. You know, certain stereotypes are not very empowering. I think that... One person's energy can suck the power from an entire circle. No offense. Well, maybe we... Yeah? Tara? Guys, quiet. Do you have a suggestion? Bunch of wanna blessed bees. Thank God that's over. Yay! Yay we did it! <laughs> <laughs> now I know what everyone feels like when I make them do the scene readings. So <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> oh no! That's no, gonna no. be I know so you're fun. Lucky because I usually <laughs> like to give everyone a really big part, and some people are just like not about it. <laughs> Uh, so with that really wonderful scene in the books and I can't remember Siren you told me this but I heard that that was Joss Whedon's response to the criticism of real witches was that scene but I couldn't find that corroborated anywhere I don't I don't know if that's true or not it sort of maybe feels like it (laughs) it does kind of feel like it I think okay so I think the scene is super funny the one we just did it's like it's slightly offensive, but at the same time, I kind of make fun of people like that, too, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, so. so do I. Yeah. The reason for me that I, like, I, like, still, like, can, I guess, appreciate it is because I feel like because we have Willow and Tara, it's like, I almost look at it as, like, you know, we as queer people get to hate other queer people. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, these people are, yes. you know what I mean? Like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. I, like, I guess what it is, it's like, okay. It sucks because I think it's actually, like, a super accurate representation of some people. And it just sort of sucks that, like, <laughs> like where's the representation of people like me who aren't like that? I mean, I mean, I like, I definitely know a girl who's, like, we the Gaia newsletter is the most important thing. Like, absolutely, 100%. I know someone who's probably said that exact same thing. <laughs> But I think it's I think it's probably like overly familiar cringe. Like you cringe because you see yourself. Yes. <laughs> I think that's what it yeah. is. Like at 19 or 18, I totally would have been the person oh, being like, that is I've, a negative stereotype. I've but... been that bitch. I probably, I am that bitch right now. Like I'm not fooling anybody. <laughs> uh, okay. So season five, I think is when witchcraft is kind of the most badass. It's like Willow is just, super powerful through the whole season. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, I feel like season five is just her, like, big empowerment moment. And season five, Willow is, like, on par with Buffy. Like, they're, yes. they're like, different kinds of powerful, but it, there's no consideration that Willow is somehow weaker than Buffy anymore. Yeah. Like, nobody thinks that Mm-mm. at this point. She, she kind of gives Glory a bigger run for her money than Buffy even. Oh, and that's, right? like, the like... whole point. At the end of season five, Buffy is like, Willow, like, you're stronger than I am in this case, basically, is yeah. what she tells her. <laughs> Yeah. A tough love is my favorite Willow episode because she just kicks ass. She kicks ass. She does. Do you know what else I love is the tough love song they did in buffering the vampire slayer. I love that song that Jenny Owen Young's wrote for that episode. I listen to it in my car all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. You just, it's my theme song. It's your mantra. It's your mantra. It is. 
I it's just like when Willow busts in and she's like, I owe you pain and shoots all the lightning bolts out of yeah. her hands. It's the coolest fucking thing. And that was the moment for me where I was like, I want to be that when I grow up. <laughs> and, you know, like the, this is so stupid and like probably like I'm 40. So that's why I think of there this, is no like, goddamn way you're 40. I don't the, believe this. I Well, thank you. <laughs> I just turned 40 last month. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, but like, I, I feel like I think of it as I can even remember watching this and expecting glory to say something homophobic. And I always appreciated that. Like glory is like, yes, I will kill you, but she's not like lesbo <laughs> flinging slur. Right. You know what I mean? She's not like, Oh, the butch one's here. She's not like saying shit like that. And definitely siren. You're probably right. Like back then it would have been the villains. Absolutely. Like making fun of them for being gay. Mm-hmm. And, like, I I even talked to Claire Kramer about that, and she said that was really important to her that, like, Glory wasn't saying homophobic. Like, Glory doesn't give a shit about anyone. So, like, if you're in her way, that's when she cares. And, like, that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, the way she, like, plays with Tara, she's like a cat playing with, like, Mm -hmm. her food. And, like, that's kind of how she looks at, like, the lower beings, right? Like, and I don't know. I just, I, I like that they have that fight, and, like, Glory's like, oh, it's the lover, but is, like, annoyed right like she's like you people are annoying but like i don't know that's something that always sticks out with me that i like that we don't have to have like the villains like saying homophobic shit for them to be bad yeah 100 it really was like there's only like one moment of like deliberate homophobia that i can actually think of and yeah. it's when those two guys call call her <laughs> ellen, ellen which is <laughs> not even hurtful a little bit <laughs> like, like, I'm gay, yes, but that's okay, like, sure. that's, like, the most homophobic the show gets, is to call someone yeah. Ellen. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know, because I feel like, in phases, the Larry and Xander thing is a little homophobic. Oh, yeah, okay, there is a there is a little bit. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 I honestly... That's when he... Is that when he comes out in that episode? He, he no, does come not... out in that episode, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. They think he's a werewolf, but really, he's just a big homosexual. Um, well, Xander, Xander has some, like, gay panic in that episode. Yeah. But I don't necessarily, well, I don't know. I think maybe teenage boys watching it probably were supposed to sympathize with Xander. But I never sympathize with Xander, so. Oh, no. <laughs> I I remember listening to the commentary on that episode, or a similar or episode, maybe in season four, where it was stated that, they weren't really sure which one of Buffy's friends was going to be gay. So yeah, they kind yeah. of toyed yeah. with oh, really? toyed with it being Xander at first. Yeah. And that would track. I feel like we, I, so I think I've talked about this on the podcast before with other people, but for me that would track for Xander's like chest puffing, like dumb shit. Right. Like he's covering. Yeah. For, well, so the yeah. first time I watched phases, I really felt like we were supposed to kind of feel like maybe Xander was also gay. It does feel like that, you right? Know? And like, that's why he's so, but maybe that's just a more woke interpretation of it. Like yeah. maybe it didn't, maybe it didn't read that way back. No, then. I think that was intentional. Cause that was the first time that it was kind of toyed with that. One of Buffy's friends might be gay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm glad we got Tara out of it, but I feel like Xander would have been a right. better character as a gay man than. Or would it have been awful if Xander was a gay man? Right, because then if he's still like, Joss. No, no, not no that. more gay. No more gay representation. No. Take it back. Take it back. We don't accept this. <laughs> 
I don't, I mean, I have like, I have thoughts about the spell that Willow does on Glory to keep her in place. I think it's really cool that she's invoking like destruction deities as she's doing it. Oh, they are like, yeah. Legit. Kali is a, in, uh, cool. like a, a Hindu goddess of destruction. She calls on Kronos. Who's one of the Titans. Who's like infamous for eating babies and like doing a bunch of like fucked up shit. That's the one with the painting, right? Where he's like, eating yeah. his kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> And the rhyme is just cool. Air like nectar, thick as onyx, sailed by your second star. I think it's just like, it's those sort of like the incantations in Buffy and then season five in particular, like it makes you know what the spell's gonna do. And mm. that's something that I love about it. I like the ones in English. I just in general don't like when like they say like made up languages or like Latin or... Siren wants them to speak American. This is America. I want them them to understand what they're saying. (laughs) What do you mean? You can't just like know Latin? (laughs) Who doesn't know Latin, right? (laughs) Well, I don't. (laughs) I'm sure Willow does. Bitch knows everything. Yeah. 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 And then like the, the transference between Glory's brain and Tara's brain at the end. That's like super sweet. And... Just the moment where she's like, I'll always find you. It makes me want to die. Also, I feel like they had needed that spell because they'd already proven that Willow could fight against Glory. So they needed a reason for her not to be like at full power for that final fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's like. Yeah. There had to be a reason that she couldn't just be like, fuck you, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And hold her in place the way that she did before. Yeah, absolutely. I totally Well, I mean, it's Buffy's show. So obviously Buffy had to. Right, Buffy had to. Buffy yeah. had to kick some <laughs> ass, yeah. be the winner, and then Giles is the dad, so he has to be the murderer. <laughs> Giles is like the only good dad. <laughs> I, I mean, until next season, and then he kind of sucks as a dad. <sighs> Speaking of season six, should Speaking we of next should we season. talk about season six? Our least favorite metaphor: witchcraft as drug addiction. Oh boy, is it! It's it is like the clunkiest shit. The and like we're we're all talking about a show we love, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's like we're saying it with love, but yeah, it's very it like falls apart so easily. It like doesn't make sense. That's the thing. It's like I could almost forgive it if it didn't fall apart so easily, and if some of the metaphors didn't have like such offensive, obvious conclusions. I guess. Yeah. Like yeah. there's really nowhere else for your brain to go other than Mm. this sucks. (laughs) Yeah. That's how, like, most of it feels for me. We talked about this in another episode of our show called Sticky Witch Jizz, um, where where we talked about the... We have lots of good titles. Yeah. Where we talked about the movie The Covenant. Have you ever seen that? I sure have. I saw that in theaters. Um, so it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same. It's it's Buffy season six, but with dudes, right? Like it creates this like for me. Like I I know people that have struggled with substance abuse problems. Most of my family has addiction problems, and like so on that level, it's offensive. But then taking it to the level of witchcraft, this thing that has been a source of empowerment and salvation in my life and turning it into this really gross metaphor for something that is not a person's fault doesn't feel good to me, you know? Well, and I, the thing, uh, again, the friend that's been texting me, like he just started season seven last night. So he was texting me through all Uh that. And I was like, I promise. Cause he was like, I hate this storyline. I was like, it goes away. I promise it goes away. Cause like, they really do like very much are like, oops, that didn't work. Let's never do that again. Um, and like, even in season seven, when she's like, I can't do magic. It's like, oh, can we just go by? I know. Can, just... like, can you just get like... over it? <laughs> yeah. 
Because, like, it also just doesn't work as a metaphor because it's like she used magic to save their lives numerous times in previous Exactly, seasons. that's where the metaphor falls apart. Like, there's no point at which you were, like, I don't know, like, helpfully doing meth and then, like, right. later the meth became a problem and you had to go back to where you could only helpfully do meth and not do meth all the time. Right. It's not like, no, me doing coke saved Siren and Phoenix. That's how I saved their lives. Exactly. No. Ian, if that's the case, then do the coke. I'm fine with it. (laughs) Right. I'm not here to judge you. Which Mrs. Review does not advocate for the use of illegal drugs. It it doesn't hold up. And like the whole group of episodes, Smash, Wrecked, and Gone, are just not, that's the worst of it. Right. When you see Willow like going through withdrawal symptoms from not doing spells. And those were like so zero to a hundred. Like it like felt like it just like came out of nowhere. Yes. I mean, yes. I know like we were learning that the witchcraft was kind of becoming a problem, but I didn't know it was going to go the way of like f- literal like physical withdrawal in the shower. And here, that yeah. was here's the thing. Crazy to me. There are other ways to show irresponsible uses of witchcraft that aren't drawing a parallel to drug use. It also would have been very easy to just be like, with Willow's personality, she got power hungry. Like, Mm -hmm. she did the spell with Tara. That didn't have to be an addiction thing. It could be like, she got too, like, power hungry and just started being so controlling of everything around her that she was misusing it. Not that it was a drug addiction. Yeah, right. See, because I thought everything that led up to, like, the Willow and Tara breakup, I thought all that made sense. That didn't feel like it was turning into a drug addiction storyline to me. It was like after Tara was gone, they were like, well, how do we make it worse? Yeah. And then that's when it becomes this, like, drug metaphor. Yeah, and I just, like, I get it because season six is, like, their first season where they're really experiencing adulthood for the first time. Well, they were on their new network and they wanted to go, like, hard and dark. Yeah, well, that too... But, you know, I I understand, like, where wanting to play with the idea of drug use came into play, right? I understand, like, where that thought process was in terms of, like, as you get older, you experiment with different things and, you know, what have you. But maybe you could have done it in a different way. That wasn't this thing that was, like, a good thing for this character for so long. And like you said, there were other ways to do it. If she had just been power hungry and, like, maybe accidentally hurt someone, and then they were like, oh, maybe you shouldn't be doing this anymore. Because I also think the thing, like, that you both just mentioned, I it, it still never tracks for me that, like, she would put Dawn in danger. Because she was always, her and Tara were always the nicest and more... Most... Especially after the events of season five. Right? Like, I just, no matter how much she's, like, indecisive, I just don't buy that Willow would be that reckless with Dawn, especially. Because, like, Willow and Tara are basically, like, her really cool aunts, right? And I just don't... Even even the Dark Willow thing, I wish that they hadn't had her threatened Dawn, because I, I, that, I feel like, even as her evilest whatever, she would still be like, no, 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 I don't want to hurt Dawn. Like, maybe she'd lock her in a closet yeah. while fighting yeah. or something. Yeah, the hurting Dawn thing, that I... Yeah. Yeah. But maybe they were also trying to, like, age Dawn up. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, Michelle Trachtenberg was, like, 14, and when they had, like, written her to be, like, a 10-year-old. Yeah. (laughs) And she's, like, taller than all of them. Yeah, and she's so tall. (laughs) (laughs) I think I have two two conflicting thoughts about witchcraft as drug addiction, and then I won't say anything else about it. Um, I do like that when it's equated that Willow is basically, quote-unquote, struggle... She's a drug addict. She's struggling with addiction. I like that her friends don't reject her and that they acknowledge that she needs their help and they don't see her as a terrible person. They see her as a person with a problem. 
I really appreciate that that's how it goes down. Mm -hmm. If it hadn't gone down that way, I think it would have been fucking disgusting. Yeah, 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 I agree. But my other thought is, I think um, a lot of treatment for addiction encourages people to reach out to some kind of spirituality or religion. I know that's not for everybody, and it doesn't have to be any one religion, but... I think something is helpful. And so I think it sucks that to deal with her addiction, Willow had to turn away from witchcraft when, like, for me, that would be a source of strength mm. to keep me centered, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that so that for me is where the metaphor really, 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 really just falls apart in the face of, like, real life. Yeah, and I, like, I mean, you're right. Like, there isn't, like, a lot of recovery. I had a friend who went through rehab, and he was, like, he could not find one that, didn't talk about praying. It's yeah, it's just so unfortunate that it's all like Christian or nothing. It seems yeah. like when I feel like, like, like spirituality is so much more than that, and more people could have access to that benefit if they just didn't make it only Christianity, right? And like it was off putting to him, and eventually he was like, "Well, I'm gonna have to go to one that is because I can't find." One that isn't, and he had to like filter out even with like a sponsor who would be like, "Well, did you pray?" And it's like, ugh, that's that, really, like, ugh. that's so unhelpful, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it's not. I mean, because that can just really drive people away from the resource. Or the yeah, program. right. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It's. And you would think that, like, would be obvious, right? That feels like that should be obvious. And thinking, you would like, think oh. that the Christian thing to do would be to, like, make sure that the people feel mm. comfortable when you're trying to help them. <laughs> You'd think, but... <laughs> that all being said, I like Dark Willow. I love Dark Willow. I... Listen, I know that, like, her killing Warren was, like, the turning point where they were like, oh, my God, Willow. And then she's, like, afraid to do magic ever again. I'd flay the motherfucker, too. Did anybody care that Warren got killed? No. Was anybody mad? No. Willow? No. About, I, I don't... Who is mad? I'm not. <laughs> Fuck Warren. And, like, the, I, I will... I do remember watching it live, though, and being like, oh, they're not gonna let her kill Warren, even though he deserves it. Like, she's not gonna kill him. They And then it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was pretty impressed when she did. I The first time I watched that, man, I did not see it coming. I yeah, really thought... at all. I, we all thought Buffy was gonna stop her. Yeah. <laughs> but no. <laughs> But nope. And I, I, yeah, I agree. I do love Dark Willow. Like, I, we talked about this with Amber Benson. We had her on of, like, how we could have gotten Dark Willow without having Tara die. Because I do actually, yeah, like, I don't love what leads up to her, but I do, like, those four episodes I think are really fucking fun and, like, mm -hmm. great. What conclusion did you come to? Because I've got nothing. So, the only things I can think of were Giles comes back before she turns dark and he dies. Because Giles, like, at that point was a little bit expendable. Um as he wasn't in the show as much, or that Tara does get shot and Willow thinks she died, but she doesn't die. They think she, like, she maybe flatlines for a little bit and then Willow goes on a rampage and we find out that, like, she didn't so die. So then Tara would have to have the yellow crayon moment or something. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could see, the only other way I could see it happening is maybe if Xander died. Which, I think but he's I, the yeah, they, only other person who means as much to her. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that probably would have been better, because wouldn't it be better to have Tara in season seven? <laughs> yeah, 100% it would be better to have Tara in season seven. Yeah, but Tara would have been like, we're not kicking Buffy out of her house. What are you talking I about? I know, that Tara couldn't be in season seven because nobody <laughs> had any, like, logic and reason in season seven. <laughs> that's what she would have brought. <laughs> yeah. Tara, I mean... Tara is one of my favorite characters in the entire show. And I, I identify with Buffy a lot. 
um, just because of, you know, what she's gone through and who she is and, and all of that. But I really do think Tara is a little bit closer to like who I really am as a person and how I interact with the world. See, that's exactly why, how I feel about her. Too. Yeah. Buffy is who I am in my heart, but Tara is who I am in real life. And I just think that like seeing her and I, and I know I, I listened to that episode that you're talking about where you talk to Amber about this. And I know that she, you know, she feels that it wasn't like intentionally meant to be harmful but it was really disrespectful to the character like to so who she was and who she was becoming to like take all of that away from her was just not right um i don't think it was the right choice i don't feel like her emotional journey was finished i mean i don't know that she got that much of a like to be honest i don't think she had that much of a journey like, I feel like Tara was, like, shy and then was, like, a little bit more outgoing. And then kind of we were, like, like, I don't know that, like, I would have loved to see more of her and Buffy, like, their friendship. Yeah. Like, I loved that we got Tara helping her out with that spell and that, like, I loved Tara the Tara Buffy scenes, man. Right? Those were yeah. all so good. Yeah. It really started in the body for mm-hmm. me. The Tara yes. Buffy scene in the body was, like, so yeah, chef's kiss. That is, like, yes. The, the body, the body <laughs> is, um, it's hard for me to watch. Um, I, I mean, yes, I, I don't imagine anyone's like, Ooh, this is fun. Uh, so <laughs> I knew this was going to come up at some point. Both of my parents are dead. Um, and so watching the body and then like seeing Tara relate to Buffy in that way, that's where that like cognitive dissonance between the two characters comes in my head. Cause it's, mm. I've, I've been both of those people, you know? I've been the person yeah. who has lost the person and is like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And then people are like, well, this is what I did. This is how I handled it. And then I've also been that person that was like, this is, you know, yeah. you're experiencing a normal feeling and emotion right now. You know, I do think that anyone who's been through like a like traumatic grief, I, I do think it's like you understand that and then, but you want to be the person to like write because you understand how isolating and how awful that mm. is. Um, yeah, because like, uh, it of course is not nearly as terrible as having what you went through, and I am that is awful. I, am <laughs> I, I wasn't saying it to look for sympathy. I'm totally fine. Oh my gosh, Ian! Let me tell you that we talk about Phoenix's dead parents on this show <laughs> like he's fucking Batman, like he's fucking Harry Potter. <laughs> it is God. ridiculous, and he what? has said the most awful things you can't imagine <laughs> about it. <laughs> So just don't even feel bad about don't it. Don't feel bad about it at all. <laughs> well, I know what you think. I was like comparing because yeah. like we when literally my... have a dead mom joke episode. Okay, <laughs> it's fucked up. Uh, when 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 my roommate passed away, who was my ex boyfriend, and like I found him dead. Like I watched the body, and like I watched wow. that Anya scene over and over again that night. And you know, I do. I did have. Like, I didn't have anyone to be like, hey, did you ever have an ex-boyfriend that you stayed close with and then they died? Like, I like genuinely didn't have anyone that had that very specific experience. Yeah. But then I had two friends that did have that and they, like, immediately messaged me. Like, I had these two friends that, like, not, like, close with, but, like, friendly on social media that, like, DM'd me to be like, hey, can I talk to you? And, like, I don't know. I, I, I relate. I can relate to Tara that way because it's like you do want to be able to. But like, like I always think what Tara says is like really beautiful, and she's like, 
you know, it's always a surprise, even if you see it coming. Like, I think that's always like important that like, no matter what the predicament was or the or the way you got there, it's like still, still fucking sucks no matter what, right? Like you could be like, oh, I saw this person was going to die anyway. They were dying or like, oh, this person suddenly died. Like it, it still fucking is terrible, right? And I always really like that Tara says that when she's like so tender about talking about it with Buffy and she's like stops herself because she doesn't want Buffy to think she's like talking over her, even though Buffy's not thinking that, but Tara's just that like sweet, mm-hmm. right? My favorite part of the scene is the way it ends the way Tara trails off because she know she knows that what she is saying is means nothing to Buffy because she knows yeah. it would have meant nothing to her that's my favorite part of it yeah and like she like she it's almost like she's reading Buffy because she's like mm-hmm. she's still in shock she's not at the talking about it moment and that's okay and like Tara's because Tara's so wonderful it's not even like a oh she's not it's just like oh let me let me like pull back I don't want to like overwhelm her Tara's the emotional intelligence mm-hmm. of yes. the group Tara always knows what everyone is going through she knows what everybody needs she knows how to talk to them which is yeah. which is what's missing in season seven you know which is <laughs> it it's that piece that's not there yeah um, and I think that that's part of what makes season seven feel a little disjointed because the events of season six end the way that they do. And there's not like, I mean, we never really get this from Buffy save for like, I mean, maybe the finale of season four, we get that like one, one day after or whatever, you know, as our season finale, but to the events of season six happen. And then we don't really talk about them anymore. There's, there's, you know, there's a few bits here and there at the beginning of season seven and then they're gone. There's not like a, a healing journey that happens really at least not that we get to see like willow goes away and like goes to fucking anthony stewart head's house for the summer or whatever but like yes i think that that's part of what's missing out of season seven and part of why it kind of feels the way that it does at the beginning is because there's no emotional intelligence there it's just kind of them i love the beginning though of season really i really dig season seven like i don't get the haters i think do you know what i think people the people who don't like season seven have probably not watched it stoned (laughs) because I have so many deep thoughts and feelings about season seven for that reason. I love season seven of Buffy. I just think that like the beginning is where it's a little like, what the fuck's happening? I think for me, the what the fuck part is just more focused on why aren't we talking about what Spike did and he is back like that and like that's the thing my podcast gets the most shit for right like everyone gets mad that I'm like well Spike tried to rape Buffy it's like saying that out loud makes people mad and I don't Yeah, but that's exactly what happens Um, I wasn't even considering getting into Spike because (laughs) but no I don't want my radar but I mean you brought it up I'll just tell you I fucking hate Spike I don't understand why she doesn't kill him in season 4 it would have been really easy (laughs) it also would have made sense it would have there are so many moments There's there's this one episode where like he and Harmony like beat up and potentially kill all these people at the university to get the doctor to remove the chip i'm pretty sure harmony like killed people and (laughs) then buffy just lets them go (laughs) yeah kill them kill them i i really think like a lot of that is so trixie mattel said this on the podcast so i'm quoting her because i don't want to like take credit for it she was like yeah but he's good TV and like that's how TV Well, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Because like, we talked about that and I was saying that. I was like, you know, she really could have killed him numerous times and Trixie was like, but he's good TV and he's a good actor and I was like, Okay, yeah. Fair. Play. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, I think James Marsters and Charisma Carpenter have chemistry with anyone they share a scene with. Like, I think both of those actors mm. have that kind of, like, charisma. I mean, he's great. For lack of better words, that's her name. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, 100% charisma. Stan. He's great. I just think Spike sucks, and I wouldn't have been mad <laughs> if Buffy killed him. I'm not saying that James isn't fascinating on the television. Of course he is, and he's gorgeous. Yeah. It's undeniable. Yeah. 
yeah. but Spike deserved. <laughs> but Spike blows. Yeah, Spike <laughs> deserved a staking long before seeing red and. Right. Yes. I would have been peachy fucking keen to see it happen, honestly. So I can I can deal with seeing red. What I can't deal with is all the people who act like it was character assassination or out of nowhere or not Spike. Like people who say that, I'm like, sorry, you guys, you guys are idiots. You're not paying attention. <laughs> he manipulated her yeah. like all season. He was manipulating her, right? Like, I mean, yeah, in his like fucked up brain, he did love her, sure, but he still was not good to her. Uh. Uh-uh. I hate Buffy and Spike together. And I, I'm going to get shit for this, but I like Riley. I'm sorry. Oh, season really? four, oh, Riley. <laughs> Riley, and, <laughs> no. Riley and Buffy in season four is great. The views expressed by Phoenix are not. <laughs> I like them. They do not represent Siren <laughs> no, or Ian. They <laughs> do not represent which bitches review. No. I like Riley. I'm sorry. I do. I mean, that's fair. I, I do think he is charming at first. Like for me at the beginning of season four, I am charmed by him. And he's hot, but like, I don't know. I just like. Mark Lucas could annihilate me are you kidding <laughs> i think he got he's like also like looks better older like i think he's one of those guys that like fits oh, the probably. there's just nothing hot to me about military i mean no i mean nothing. no like nothing <laughs> no um season my asshole has slammed shut <laughs> season five riley sucks he sucks i don't want anything to do with him. Yeah. but season four i like the relationship together i think it's really healing for buffy i think buffy needs a, a relationship with a normal guy so to speak but that can still understand her world to a certain extent and then that goes away really quickly when he starts sleeping with prostitutes like it's just, you know like... i mean that is my defense of riley as well like but that is also my defense of kennedy like i don't think there's anything wrong with like a hot rebound fuck like I just I'm no. like that's fine yeah like everyone's too precious about like sex and relationships it's like you don't have to get married because you're fucking yeah. like I mean I feel like they were they were kind of negotiating that with themselves on television yeah like yes. they were like actively negotiating what they could show kind of in front of the audience I, yes. I also don't have a problem <laughs> yeah. with Kennedy I think that she's a brat and there are times I don't like her, but I don't have a problem with her relationship with Willow. I don't like her because of the yeah. shit that she says. Um, yeah, and and like, I don't know, a lot of the characters are bratty is how I feel about that. And like, she's the only potential that is remotely useful. Yeah, like, she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Amanda kind of kicks ass. All right, yeah. Well, yeah. She just comes in yeah. later. Yeah. I think that if they weren't going to make everyone Slayers, I think that if Faith died, Kennedy probably would have been yeah. the next Slayer, is how I feel about I that. I agree. That's I agree. I agree. You're right. Because Kennedy, like, even when she doesn't have the power, she's still trying to help them. The rest of them are, like, screaming, right? Like, Yeah. And not that I wouldn't. I would be the one screaming as well. I'm not saying I would be <laughs> useful, but... Yeah. <laughs> I like Kennedy because she gets a small taste of power and then she starts lording it over everyone else. <laughs> I, I want to know Relatable. who is everyone's favorite potential? Um, Kennedy. 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 Mine's yeah. Vi. I mean, Fel- Felicia, Felicia Day is very Day. charming. I Obviously. love Felicia Day. And also just like in the last episode, she kicks ass. She does a great job. Yeah. I Her and Amanda would be close seconds for favorites. And then it's like no yeah. one. Um but I, I don't, I, even I don't hate the potentials as much as everyone else does. Like, I think they're mostly useless, but like, I think they work as a plot device. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what I view them yeah. as. And I, I love what happens. I love the resolution of it. And it like that, for me, that like makes it worth it. I, don't, I think it was kind of powerful that like she becomes the leader to this like next generation of girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's cool that we have a diverse group of girls who like For all, the first time in Buffy history. Yeah, who like all kind yeah. of have like 
separate character traits and they all get sort of realized, but they don't take up too much time either. I'm sorry. One more thing about Kennedy. I was on a panel with Ayari and she, we were talking about like, I don't know. I don't remember what the actual subject was. We got on talking about how Buffy was very white and she stopped and turned to me and went, are there any Latinos on Buffy? You would know. And I was like, you were on Buffy. You're Hispanic. And she was like, <laughs> and she was like no, 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 I don't count. Kennedy was explicitly like a white girl. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, in season seven, witchcraft in season seven is like kind of this thing that Willow is afraid of, right? Yeah. What? Uh, give me your take on that. I have, I have a few different feelings about it there on one hand i feel like it's stupid because willow knows that she can do magic (laughs) yes um she's just afraid to like hurt someone with it which again is stupid because she killed an asshole well and it's another reason why the metaphor doesn't work right because it's like there's there's no addiction where it's like well going back to it saves the world now she's back to helpfully doing math like that's what we're doing right now and Giles is like, you can't stop doing meth. You just have to do meth with them. <laughs> do it in a healthy way. Yeah. And it's it's like like in Chosen, when when Willow taps into the power of the scythe to activate the potentials, and she has that moment where she's overcome with this energy and she realized like she realizes she has goodness inside of her and she's doing a good thing with the power that she has and connects to the world. And for me, that's what witchcraft does. It connects me to the world around me. It helps me understand things better. And I think that that is what season seven's arc for Willow and witchcraft does. I think it gives her a better understanding of herself and the world around her and how she can use this power that she has to better humanity, which for me is like the purpose of witchcraft. Yeah. I like that. Siren, what's the, I'm curious, Siren, what do you think about it in season seven? I love that we almost have this antithesis of Dark Willow in the end. There's this, like, light Willow. I cry every time. I'm not going to lie. It's, Anytime I, mean, I see that light. It's beautiful. And I love that Kennedy calls her a goddess in this moment because that's what she looks like. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's sort of like the all-powerful ascension of witchcraft. You are now a goddess, I guess. I, I, I fully think I, that Willow is a goddess of witchcraft. I think that it's also just about, like, the struggle for balance, I guess. Um, because in reality, like, no person is, like, all good or all evil. Um, that's simplistic TV show comic book stuff. Right, Um, So I like that Willow has both in her and that that gets explored a little bit. I think, I guess the one thing I don't like about Willow in season seven is she almost has this like angel fresh with a soul kind of thing going on. And I just feel like we've already done that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Overall, I think it's good. And I love Willow's place in the ending. Yeah, I I think that, I think Willow in the end has kind of like, in the last season has done what Willow has always done and it's support the Slayer. But, now she's like doing it for all of the slayers. She's she's not just supporting yeah. a slayer, she's creating them now, you know? And I think that yeah. that's like a really beautiful encompassing of what this show's about, about recognizing the strength in other people and how recognizing that strength doesn't diminish it within yourself. Like she's creating all of these powerful girls, but it's because she's powerful herself that she can do it. Yeah, I was just thinking like really her big moment is like she uses witchcraft to support other women. That's basically, that's what's what's going on. It's all wrapped in witchcraft and metaphor, but that's what it stands for. I think that's pretty cool. In pop culture, everybody thinks of Willow as like the revolutionary queer character of this show but for me it's Tara Willow gets to come out and be herself and she's still the same character and she almost never faces any kind of homophobia or reaction to it she's worried about her friends rejecting her they don't um the most homophobic thing that gets said to her is Ellen so like Willow's had it pretty easy and that's great for people who've had it easy but not all of us have and Tara 
has seen some shit. Like, yeah, Tara yeah. has been abused and oppressed and silenced, and she has, like, had to escape a toxic family who hunted her down. And then that whole episode, Family, like, witchcraft is, is just code for queer, yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, there are crystal dildos. Like... <laughs> <laughs> that that episode is all about Tara's family being anti-gay and making it about witchcraft oh, yeah. instead. So like like Tara's been through some shit, okay? And a lot of us have been through that same shit. I know I have. I went through that not for the gay thing, but for the witchcraft thing. Like Oh well yeah, I mean I went through it for that too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> for sure <laughs> so i see tara when we first see her as like this person who's like been se- like been seriously abused probably at least psychologically and yeah. she's escaped she's hurt and scared but she's still trying and somehow magically in spite of everything she's been through she finds love and th- that's like that's so beautiful to see as a queer person mm-hmm. that like there is actually hope for you still i remember feeling like there wasn't Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. When I was in a situation like I imagine Tara was in. and I, But I think it's so cool that it goes further than that. Tara makes herself stronger when she's with Willow. Like she uses that first love to build herself up. But she gets so strong that she can stand on her own without Willow. Which is pretty incredible from the person we saw her begin yeah. as. And so I, I love that that's where we is. Like she's grown up into this like powerful queer person who can stand on her own. And like that's where she is. She's emotionally intelligent. She adds value to the group. She's basically everyone's therapist. I feel like everyone is emotionally dependent on her at some point <laughs> or another. And that's where we have her when she gets killed. It's so terrible. For me, she was like something to strive for. Like I watched Tara and I thought maybe I can also be strong. Like that's how I, that's how I feel about her. Seriously. So I think it's, it was devastating to me when she died. Like I could not. And you know, because that bitch, that bitch Joss Whedon, he put Amber Benson in the opening credits for that one time. And Siren was like, oh, it's my favorite character. She's not going to leave the show. Fuck you. Joss Whedon. I hate that dick. <laughs> I I can remember a friend spoiled the death for me and I was I didn't speak to that friend for a while because I was so mad. But I don't know why it was like I thought it was the following episode and I still wasn't sure if that friend knew for a fact cuz like you know especially back then it was like this the online wasn't as like Right. Like a leak couldn't have just been would have mostly been just made up. But then, like, when that happened, I remember I immediately cried when I saw her in the credits because I had remembered that Joss Whedon gave an interview saying he wanted yep. um, Eric Balfour to be in the credits as, like, a gag mm-hmm. because then you wouldn't think he would die. So I knew immediately. I was like, oh, no, Tara's going to die in this episode. And the credits made me cry because I knew Tara was dying. Mm-hmm. And just how quick it is, too. Like, there's no fanfare at all. And it... It's just awful. So I think that, I honestly think if Tara died today, it wouldn't be as terrible as it was when it happened. I think like you have to view it through the lens of the time period. I certainly still hate it, but at this point there are so many queer characters out there for us to identify with that it's a little less painful. I'm not saying, I mean, I, I understand, we understand the barrier gaze trope. We basically talked about it for an entire episode. Um, when we were talking about the Charmed reboot, which has, I think we counted 13 queer women of color, none of whom die, which is why we like the Charmed reboot. <laughs> One reason. I, thought you were, I really thought you were going to say, and they all die. No, none of them. <laughs> none of them yeah, die. So we did a, we did a, a big talk about the unbarrier gaze trope and how it's kind of over. And I know that I'm not stating anything that hasn't been said before, 
But the fact that Tara and Willow were so revolutionary at the time is why it hurts so much. I don't think it yeah. would hurt as much now, although we still wouldn't like it. Yeah, I mean, and not that I would ever defend him, but I, I do think, Amber said this on the podcast, and I do think she was right about, like, I don't think it came from a place of homophobia. I think it came from a place of, like, a straight person not realizing, oh, wait, that is, eh, maybe yeah. I shouldn't, like, like, I do think that's what it was, like, a straight person not, yeah. To which I could be annoying and counter, sounds like straight privilege, Joss. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, no, you're Absolutely. right. Absolutely, <laughs> it, it is. Um, so let's transition and talk about some fun stuff to end the episode. How does that sound? Um, <laughs> if we could do one spell from either Buffy or Angel, I guess, it doesn't really matter. Which one would you choose? If you could do like one spell that you've seen on the show, what would you what would you do and how would you want it to like manifest in your life? Siren, do you have an answer? I do have an answer. I'll start. Um, I picked the Slayer spell because I really feel like I will be a Slayer. I'm pretty certain. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually have done the Slayer spell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, Go on. Well, <laughs> Because I have the scythe, right? So I have, mm. I've used the scythe to connect to the archetype of what I feel a vampire slayer is and like use that energy to infuse into myself so that I can handle the problems in my life, that I can overcome the challenges mm. that come my way. Um, so I literally have done that. I mean, I didn't become an actual vampire slayer, unfortunately, because that would have been really cool. But I've used that imagery and that weapon to kind of make myself a warrior for myself in my own life. But if I were going to do like a like a real spell, I mean, I would definitely want to do the Slayer spell because I would want to be a vampire Slayer. But I also think that, I don't know, the spell that they do in Who Are You where they have an orgasm looks like a lot of fun. So Yeah, just like a spell with a friend where you both come. Yes. <laughs> you know. Listen, I have been trying to cast that spell for like... <laughs> Four weeks. Um, <laughs> and I just can't find all the ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, God, now I feel like no matter what I say is going to be, like, a shitty answer because you both had very nice answers. I'm like, who would I want to get revenge on? I love and a what shitty answer. No. No, you've misread the room. <laughs> I would I would be the person that does a spell that ends up backfiring and I'd be like, oh, no, I killed 10 people. Like, I feel like that would absolutely be me. I was going to say, I feel like you want to hurt someone and I want to know who and I want to know how. Because, like, I would also want to, like, be rich, right? Like, I'd be like, ooh, I want to be Oh, like, my God, but... Be able to buy Would you an do apartment. the superstar spell? Right? And I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, right. Oh. And someone did get murdered from that. Oh, right. That fucked up everything. Um, and then I'm like, uh, well, a siren, who would I want to do it to? What did I mention earlier that was a terrible thing someone did to me while my grandma was dying? Oh, <laughs> this um, fucking guy. Okay, so which <laughs> spell are we doing on him? Because that's not out of the question, sweetie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know I don't know how many witches you know, but now you know two that are super mega bitches and will help you do that. <laughs> um, I just, I feel like I would like, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Because like the superstar spell, like that's too much. I don't want to be like, I, for all intents and purposes, like king of the world. Like that, okay, no. That's... But maybe you would like maybe sacrifice a girl to the lizard demon to be rich. Like, would you do that? If it could be someone that's like, if I could pick it and it's someone terrible, like if I could be like I don't see why not like that was always an option for the frat boys they just suck fair okay fair yeah <laughs> so maybe I would I don't know yes 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 is the answer yes I would if I could pick it and it could be someone terrible yes cool. I'm not I'm not one of those people who's like no I don't wish death on anyone I'm like <laughs> no I do on plenty of people <laughs> would you would you maybe want to like summon a vengeance demon to get revenge on on an ex no because it's like a monkey's paw and it would, then it would like backfire on me and I'd be the one that's like, true vengeance demon spells usually do I'd work, be married to that person forever poorly. Cordelia did not have 
have a great time um, with that. So she did not. So yeah, I guess. Oh God, I guess like maybe I would want to have like what Willow does in um, something blue. Maybe I would want that, but I'd want like to be in control. Of it. Oh, I don't want it to be like oops to have your will done. I love that spell. She probably could have been in control of it if she wasn't like an emotional yeah. wreck teenager. Yeah. But no, that's a cool spell for sure. But I just want to like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I need to clarify. I would not like use it on like good people. I would be like anyone bad. It'd be like, great. Well, now you're going to stop doing the bad thing and also going to shit your pants. So I honestly, I love that answer. You don't have to justify you have to, yourself. You don't have to justify anything. We, we exist in a very moral gray area over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no that's a great spell and an easy spell i could teach you how to do that for sure <laughs> great i can't wait for our lessons <laughs> okay so do we have any do we have any final thoughts about witchcraft in the buffy verse or buffy in general or buffy in representation whatever you guys want to say like i mean i i mean to mimic what siren said earlier like willow and tara were very important to me and i i do think like teen me then like sought out witchy folks because it was like I I so identify because I often overly identify with Willow. For me, it's like I'm a combination like Buffy and Cordelia in my heart, but in real life, I'm probably like Willow. Um, and I like I don't know that was like very important to me just in general. But then like it made me it made me feel like more in tune with those kind of people than like like I said like I was always so grumpy about like I'm spirituality and religion, but like when it comes to that, I'm like yes, tell me all of the things great um and i do think like buffy probably would be the like root of that like me like being more drawn to people like that um like i said like you know growing up puerto rican like my mom is like a little bit like she would never say she would probably never use the term wicca ever but like i said it's like because my grandma like they like the combination of the religions and like the like whatever like my mom's a little bit like that like my mom will be like oh i had this dream are you okay like oh th this bad thing's gonna happen because blah 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 blah, blah. I, this is weird but like one time my nephew you went into my grandma's old bedroom and just stared at the wall and cried and he was like seven and it scared the shit out of me and he was very hot when I picked him up and my mom was like oh that means grandma was in the room we just have to talk to her and I was like excuse me she was like yeah you have to come sit on her bed with me and hold my hand and we're gonna tell mommy not to do that because it scared us we're gonna was tell like, grandma not to set the kid on fire from the wall and I was like mom that's not like a normal thing a mother and son do and she was like okay well you gotta do it with me and I was like <laughs> all right <laughs> so like you know it's like a little bit of like that aspect is like I grew up um, but again they would never identify that way um, but to my mom mm -hmm. that's just like oh that's a normal thing but like my conservative dad is like that's stupid you know what I mean yeah no it's like a lot of people uh, that have sort of like muddled religion like religious practices or like folk practices will say things like oh that's just what we do yeah you know I think people yeah, say so that absolutely. to describe a lot of things that could technically be defined as witchcraft which is something <laughs> yeah, we absolutely. talk about a lot um my mom you'll maybe not expect me to say this from anything else I've said today my mom is a witch she's, oh really she's she would never call herself that she's very Christian um everything is Jesus for sure <laughs> but like I've seen her do like healing rituals on like her friends and huh. I mean, she has, like, Bible verses memorized. She has, like, all the trappings of witchcraft. It's just, like, with a Christian skin on it. She has mm -hmm. premonitions. It's ridiculous. Fair. My final thoughts are that Tara meant a lot to me, and it sucks that she died. Um, I think witchcraft overall through the life of the show looks really cool. I don't think at any point they make it look bad. I think the addiction thing is a real rough spot, but there are... Still cool moments in there. Just those three episodes you mentioned especially, really. Yeah. But at least we got 
some kind of support and lack of judgment for people struggling with addiction. If anything could come out of it, if anything good could come out of it, it's that. So at least they did that. I definitely think that all of the metaphors don't work all the time. But at the same time, Buffy is such a special part of who I am as a person. And like, I would not be a witch let alone strong, independent, capable person that I am today without Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. And so I think the fact that it plays such a huge part in my life and in my witchcraft isn't a surprise. And I don't think it's a surprise for any of the people that love this show that it is what it is for them. I don't think I know a single person that is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan that doesn't love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know? like Yeah, we're all fucking obsessed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's no, like, casual Buffy fans. We're all, like... That's true. Yeah. This show is everything, and there's a reason for that. And I think that the show is incredible, and this will not be the last time we talk about it on the podcast, because... I'm not even close. <laughs> it, is my, it is my whole life. All that being said, Ian, where can the people find you? Because you are incredible, and I want all of the people to go and listen to your show. Um, you can find both my podcasts, SlayerFest98 and My Bloody Judy, on all podcasting platforms. Um, and SlayerFest98 is at SlayerFestX98 on all social media platforms. Um, you can find all our Buffy coverage. We finished Buffy. We're circling back to certain episodes as they turn 25. Um, and My Bloody Judy, you can find at My Bloody Judy. We are going headfirst into all the Scream coverage with the new movie coming out. Um, and uh, you can find me at Ian X Carlos on all social media platforms. Um, I'm kind of rebranding right now, so don't look for me for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Follow me at Witch Bitches Review. <laughs> You you can follow me on Instagram at Phoenix Arcana Lightwood. You can follow me on Twitter at Phoenix Arcana underscore. You can follow the podcast at WBRcast on all social media platforms. If you have a question or something you would like to hear us talk about or a comment on something we've said here today, please feel free to send us an email at witchbereview at gmail.com. All right, all you lesbian witches. <laughs> Until next time, keep on witching. And bitching. Bye. 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 Are you a good witch or a bad witch?